With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Press has been used to create suspicion. Today and tomorrow, hundreds of journalists at newspapers across this country walk off the job. They all work for Gannett, which owns papers across the country, including USA Today. NPR media correspondent David Folkenflik joins us. Hey there, David. Good morning, Steve. How widespread is this strike? So it's starting this morning in seven states, uh, California, Arizona, Texas, Indiana, New Jersey, near where I live. That includes papers like the Arizona Republic, the Austin American Statesman, some big ones where journalists are working without contracts. They say that they have not received fair pay and compensation, but more to the point, haven't received it in many, many years. And meanwhile, their newsrooms have been cut back deeply. David, we've paid a lot of attention to the cutbacks in local newsrooms. And in fact, they've been cut so savagely over the years. I was a little surprised there's anybody left in some newsrooms to walk out. What do they want? You know, and by the way, that's literally true in some cases. Salinas, California, a city of 150,000 owned by Gannett, has no local reporters, or at last check, none locally wow. based. Journalists want to draw attention to their circumstances, sure, but it's a more profound critique. Uh, today is the day in which shareholders are meeting. They want to draw attention to, among other things, the compensation of millions of dollars in pay and shares to Chief Executive Mike Reed. Uh, he's been at the helm at a time where, for the last four years, you've had these merger of these two large newspaper companies, Gannett and the former Gatehouse Community Newspaper Company. I talked to the president of the News Guild in recent days. He says those newspapers have been cut by Gannett since that merger four years ago by 54 percent. And you can see it throughout the properties, the, the meagerness of the report at times. Uh, sometimes just one or a handful of staffers are intended to report on the texture of lives in all these cities and communities. One newspaper in Springfield, Illinois, where the editor is based and also overseeing the editor in Lakeland, Florida, several states away. Hmm. Another smaller one nearby, if you look at the top five stories on any given day, it looks like two or three of them are going to be about Powerball winnings. That is something that could be produced by bots. How does Gannett explain itself? Well, they talk about the tough times of the news business, which have been significant and real. They talk about a new news leader they brought over from McClatchy, and they say this will be part of a new strategy to infuse real life and vigor into their local reporting. But the financial realities of that merger that I talked about a few moments ago are such that they were required to cut. Initially, it looked like between two to $300 million. Now it looks like it's more like $400 million in cuts. And I think that scythe cutting across the newsrooms across the country is what you're seeing really as much more as a result of that. Well, the short-term walkout is being led, I know, by the News Guild, which represents staffers at a lot of news outlets. Do they have very much leverage? Well, you know, they've won some wins. They've been organizing at digital and print newsrooms around the country in recent years because of these pressures on the industry. You know, in Pittsburgh, there's been a many months long strike at the Post-Gazette that has not really yielded any more advances for the workers than what they were experiencing in the years that negotiations were taking there to achieve. But meanwhile, at the New York Times, you know, most august name in news after years of uh, sort of conflict, you saw a recent pact in which uh, there was a 10 percent minimum increase for all newsroom employees and a 7 percent signing bonus and a lot of other concessions as well. So I think you're seeing to some degree 
wind at the back of these News Guild workers, even as I think the greater dynamics in the industry, and especially at Gannett, are very daunting. That's NPR's David Volkenflik. Thanks so much. You bet. The nation is in the middle of a teacher shortage, and at the end of another school year, burnout is causing many more teachers to call it quits. Michaela D. Simone is a sixth grade English teacher in a charter school in Queens, New York, and explains how the past few years have changed her views on what was once her dream job. She shares her brief but spectacular take as part of our open call for stories. I don't know a teacher right now that's not struggling. And I know a lot of teachers. My father was a guidance counselor for 30 years. Lead a family of five on just his salary. And he got the summers off. He got to coach and be with people. It looked like a joyous, fulfilling, satisfying, and sustainable life. So I just knew from an early age, I wanted that. So I teach at a charter school in Long Island City, Queens. We serve grades six through eight, so I'm at a middle school. The biggest perk is you get to see these people and experience these important life events with them. I work with some of the most brilliant, incredible educators that you'll ever meet. They are open-minded, they are creative, they are collaborative, they are hardworking, and they are tired. During COVID, teachers really had to learn a new job. To teach over a screen was unbelievably infuriating and demoralizing. Nobody turns their cameras on, so you don't know if they're listening, you don't know if they're there. Again, I work in the midst of the largest housing projects in the country. So my students absolutely did not have access to this technology. And that was during the phase of the pandemic where everyone was like, oh my God, pay the teachers millions of dollars. How are they doing this? And that did not last long. Once we finally figure out how to teach on Zoom, they shove us back into the classroom without PPE. I had 25 kids in a room. How am I supposed to keep them six feet apart? So what we saw when we got back to the classroom is number one, your teachers are exhausted, but also the kids are exhausted. And a lot of my students had been home for a year, a year and a half without adult supervision. The apathetic nature was frustrating and infuriating and demoralizing. It's demoralizing because when we asked for help, we didn't receive it. So now I am running on a very low empathy tank and a very low resource tank, and my funds are being cut. I'm not asking for more money for crayons. I'm asking for another special educator in the room because my classroom is mandated to have one. Hot spots for my students who don't have access to internet multi-language learner specialists who can come help us with the immigrants that are being dropped off at our schools. I've decided to leave teaching after this year because it is at the point where my mental and physical health can't sustain this profession anymore. It's a grieving process. I'm mourning the loss of a life I expected and I am mourning the loss of a future I'd always imagined for myself. So at the same time, I'm 30 years old. And I'm basically like a 22-year-old college graduate because the only experience I have is in this very niche profession that nobody really knows what, what we do every day. We're smart and we're capable and we manage 25 to 30 people at a time. And yet the positions that I am qualified for are that of an intern. So as hard as it is to walk away from this, another even harder element is figuring out what to do next. My name is Michaela Simone, and this is my brief but spectacular take on teacher burnout.
There is a lifeguard shortage in the U.S., and that may cut down on some of your swim time this summer. NPR's Juliana Kim has this report. Former Chief Lifeguard Wyatt Werneth says over a decade ago, about 100 people applied to become a beach lifeguard in Brevard County, Florida. This year, only two showed up to the training session. Werneth, who's also a spokesperson for the American Lifeguard Association, says it's a national problem. We have over 309,000 public pools, and we're looking at an impact of over 50% of them being closed or having a reduction in hours. He says lifeguarding's reputation has changed a lot since the hit TV show Baywatch. It's no longer seen as a serious heroic career, but rather a part-time summer gig. The pay has also declined over the years. Right now, cities are scrambling to recruit lifeguards and even adding signing bonuses. Meanwhile, Werdet says swimmers can take extra steps to stay safe. Please assign a water watcher, someone that's going to pay attention to the little ones and not be distracted. Another tip, adults and children who can't swim should always wear a Coast Guard-approved life jacket in the water. Juliana Kim, NPR News. Huh? You gotta question these things, Dare. You gotta look at the whole picture. You know, we're talking about books here, but I'm also talking about my job. I got two black guys on my squad now who got their job over a couple of white guys who actually scored higher in the test. Does that make sense? Huh? Yeah, sure, everything's equal now. But I got two guys watching my back, responsible for my life, who aren't as good as two other guys. You only got the job because they were black, not because they were the best. That, that sucks. Yeah. Is that what America's about? Firefighting departments nationwide have tried to diversify their ranks for years. They have made only modest progress. Today, the profession remains overwhelmingly white, and mail. From member station KQED, Farida Jabvala Romero reports on one program in California that's trying to change that. I first met Lupe Duran in 2017, just weeks after his home was destroyed by a massive wildfire in Northern California. The 23-year-old welding student was overwhelmed with loss, sleeping on relatives' couches. But the disaster made Duran realize he didn't want to feel powerless against any fire. Well, it was a feeling of wanting to do more, wanting to actually help and give back to the community. Today, he's well on his way to becoming a firefighter paramedic. He's enrolled in a unique program preparing people of color and women for careers in the fire service. It's called Fire Foundry, a nonprofit collaboration between Marin County and area universities. All team, you ready? At a rope rescue training in a redwood forest, a female recruit rappels off a ravine near a creek. Once at the bottom, she puts a harness on a colleague pretending to be in need of rescue. And from the top of the cliff, Duran and the rest of the team pull on a rope until the two are back on the trail. On a break, Duran says he's excited to learn these skills from professional firefighters. But he says their mentorship and connections are key, too. The captains you meet... The battalion chiefs you meet, it's, you can't really get that exposure just walking in off the street. You know, if, unless you know somebody that is in the fire department, which really makes a difference. This one-year program is different in that it pays for everything, from prerequisite classes and books to career guidance and even housing at fire stations. Recruits also work clearing brush and trees that fuel wildfires. And that income was a game-changer for Duran who was struggling to switch careers while working as a landscaper full-time. 
So we're working right now. We're actually getting paid to do this training through our program, which is an awesome difference. The experience, you know, is... I can't put a value on the experience that we're learning right now. Nationwide, more than 90% of firefighters are men, and about 85% are white, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. In California, big city departments such as Los Angeles and San Francisco are more diverse, following discrimination lawsuits and settlements that took years. But Marin County's fire department today is still more than 80% white. Marin County Fire Captain Rick Wannaberger says expanding diversity will help them be more effective as firefighters. My engine, you know, currently all, they're all, we're all English speakers. You know, uh, some of us can speak a little bit of Spanish, but how much better would it be if I truly was fluent? How much that person would feel truly at ease? As for Duran, he's getting closer to his goal. He's completing an emergency medical technician course. He's set to get a fire technology degree. And he just got a seasonal job with the county inspecting homes for wildfire defense. Oh, it's very exciting. I mean, it's all I've wanted for the past six years. <laughs> so it's, you know, took some time, but it's paying off now. The Fire Foundry program is just over a year old, but long-term funding is in question. Duran says he worries other people coming up behind him won't get the chance he got. For NPR News, I'm Farida Jabbala Romero in Marin County. Welcome back. Two faculty members at Mast Academy are being investigated by the Miami-Dade School District. A former student says she was repeatedly, yes, repeatedly singled out and racially discriminated against in class, and now she's filing a complaint. Jessica Vallejo has been looking into the complaints and joining us live from Virginia Key with more on this. Jessica, fill us in. Yeah, that's right. The student says he allegedly battled with racial bias and discrimination here at Mast Academy, and it was so painful she suffered panic attacks. And they just do not care. And it's very unfortunate that we have to face this. While sitting in a conference room, Anaya Upshaw, a recent grad from Mass Academy in Key Biscayne, was in tears, sharing what she described as discriminatory language she battled in class. We see all the derogatory words inside the bathroom stalls. We see it inside of the buses. Wherever we go, we see it, we hear it. Among the list of issues, two landed on the official civil rights complaint with the Miami School Board. I have worn this top multiple on multiple occasions. In one instance, at her club fair, Upshaw says her assistant principal allegedly told her what she was wearing was out of dress code, that it looked like she was going to a club. And stuff like that, and I was wearing a long sleeve shirt and sweatpants. What club am I going to? Upshaw says when she and other students tried to complain, the culture of the school was deal with it. Her family believes these actions impacted her performance in her senior year to the point of having panic attacks. Students that have reported cases of racism going on within the school, they have been bullied and they have been constantly harassed on a day-to-day -day basis. And no one shouldn't have to go through that at all. Civil rights attorney Sue Ann Robinson filed a complaint on behalf of Upshaw, calling out the disturbing allegations. The daily behaviors do, in fact, create harm. It's the death of a thousand cuts. We've also heard from several other current and former students who echoed Upshaw's complaints. It's one to insult a kid, it's one thing to insult a kid because, or directly or indirectly because of their race. 
Now, we did reach out to Miami-Dade Public Schools about this. In a statement, they said, quote, the district said since this is a pending civil rights complaint, that it is still under investigation by the district. I'm live in Key Biscayne, Jessica Vallejo, NBC6 News. Obviously, that would not be the case. Jaw would go on to flash his gun again, this time on his friend's IG Live, and what really did look to be an accident in the sense that Ja just did not know that his friend was live. As soon as his friend sees that Ja is flashing that gun, he tries to get Ja out of the frame as fast as possible. Which would bring me to the question, if Ja really didn't know that he was live, why does he not know? Maybe it's a good idea to tell your famous friend that he's on live? Maybe I'm being a bit naive, but I feel like telling anybody that you're with that you're live, famous or not, should be a common courtesy. We put our lives on social media. Your kid's birthday party. Blow out the candle. Make a wish. Your neighbor's puppy learning to climb downstairs. Okay, Rocky, one more step. Your review of the newest burger joint on your block. What's up, y'all? I finally got my hands on a triple-double pounder burger. It looks crazy. I'll tell you what I think. Your sweet, sweet moves to that popular dance jam. And as you're collecting all those likes from family and friends, someone else might be watching, too. Your boss. I'm Charlotte Gartenberg, and this is As We Work from the Wall Street Journal. You might not believe it, but there is actually an upside to an employer seeing your social media. A good online presence could help you land a job. Really. We'll have more on how to create that presence later in the episode. But first, we have to acknowledge that living your life online comes with some risks. A high school teacher was sacked after posting about her partying lifestyle. This woman just got a new tech job. She shared her salary on TikTok and was let go. A PR executive posted a racist tweet while boarding a plane. She was fired by the time she landed. Sure, these are extreme cases, but it makes it hard not to dwell on the negative. Could a tweet, Instagram reel, or TikTok video land me in hot water at work? Honestly, that fear is real. According to a 2022 survey by the Harris Poll, commissioned by the staffing firm Express Employment Professionals, 88% of hiring managers said they would consider firing an employee over a social media post. In the 2020 version of that survey, more than half of hiring managers who looked at social media as part of their screening process said they found stuff that caused them to pass on a potential candidate. But if you're now feeling an impulse to go delete all your social media, ASAP, don't do it. Being an online ghost is also a big red flag. That 2020 survey also found that one in five hiring managers said they were unlikely to consider a candidate who had no online presence. This may be starting to feel like a damned if you do and damned if you don't kind of scenario, but take heart. I spoke with someone who has seen firsthand which social media missteps actually could get you in trouble. Dan Shoemaker has been in the background check business for over 20 years. He's currently the chief revenue officer at Accurate Background, which, you guessed it, does background checks and employee screenings. He told me that first off, while social media isn't the main focus of these screenings, it is not going away. I think there's just a heightened awareness to ensuring that we really understand that that is a forum where people are displaying information that might be relevant to us as employers. Still, so many of us think of personal social media as, well, personal. So I asked Dan, why should it matter to companies what I post at all? It should only matter 
if what you post on social media is deemed to be a risk to the business, mm-hmm. full stop, especially in roles when you think about you're hiring, say, a senior level individual, maybe you're hiring a CFO or a CRO or a CEO, or maybe you're hiring someone who's going to be, you know, kind of the face of your business. That's important to know is someone going to find something out about this individual on their uh, social media that would tarnish your brand. The second piece is just protecting your employees. So you might find out information that could represent a threat to your workplace. Maybe someone posts things on their website or on their Facebook page that is very violent. Those are things that you might want to consider, by the way, as part of the overall screening of an employee. Yeah, so it sounds like social media can be a deal breaker for somebody getting a job. It can definitely be a deal breaker. I think the most important thing is, though, that you, you as someone that is curating your own social media sites, you know, you need to be thoughtful about what you post, obviously, but you do still have, obviously, the freedom to post what you want. There was a recent scenario where a social media check on a senior law enforcement officer in the Midwest returned, I think it was like 92 posts of explicit or racy images. And we use the term racy as part of the screening process. And then dozens of others of obscene language and sexual impropriety. What did the employer decide to do with the information about this person? The employer decided to move forward with this individual. So in this instance, it seemed like there were other things that sort of rose to the top with regards to this individual, and they didn't feel like these were going to be issues with this individual in this role. Wow, that's incredible. All right. Well, it really is up to the discretion of the employer, but I still wonder, you know, should I make all of my accounts private? We can only look at public information, and it is against the law in many states and is obviously something that you shouldn't do as an employer anyway. You should never ask prospective employees or employees for passwords or information to get access to social media sites that are private or even social media sites that aren't private. If that information is private, it's private. We can't get access to it. I mean, maybe it is to my benefit to have it be private. But now I'm worried because my Instagram account is not private. Yeah, you're going to go back and look through it. I know you're going to be flipping through it later, right? Like, oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) It's almost all pictures of my child. Of course. Yes. As is mine, no doubt. But you're right. I mean, I think... I think it is a question that you have to ask yourself. Do I want it to be private or not? Because if it is public information, it's going to be accessible. So you are are warned. Yeah, yeah, I've been warned. (laughs) Okay, well, let's lean a little into the worry here. What do people forget to worry about when it comes to what they put on their social media publicly that they probably should worry about? We're looking at really significant risk categories, right? We're looking at where you may be bullying someone, you're insulting people, you're using toxic language like hate speech, obscenities, you are threatening someone with violence, or you're just threatening anyone with violence, sexual impropriety. So if you're not in those those brackets, you're probably going to be okay. But then I think the things that, you know, maybe it's the alcohol use, maybe it's the drug use, maybe it's those things that, you know, if if you have constant vendors every night and you're posting about it, that may be a reflection of you in a way that you might not want an, an employer to see. Okay, let's go to the calm me down end of all this. What are some things that people worry about with background checks, especially with social media, that maybe they should chill out about? 
I think the most important thing is not everything that you've done in your past is going to haunt you. And I think that that that's so true. It's just, it might not. So Charlotte, you're in a good spot. I think you really have to be honest with your your employers when you're going through the process and just realize that if there are things that you have done in your past that were mistakes, they're mistakes and you can you can explain those to some extent. When I think about the way in which employers use information to make hiring decisions, they really are looking for things that are egregious. Hmm. They're really looking for things that are real risks, right? I think that there is a definite push to make sure that people get a second chance in the process as well. So should I try to clean up my social media history? I think you need to use your own best judgment, right? I think things that you did in college, as long as they weren't like something that is obviously explicit or racist, I think you're probably going to be fine. But I'll just tell you what I counsel my children, my kids, because I have college-age kids. Um, my wife and I are pretty, you know, we, we say, be careful what you post, because whatever you post typically doesn't go away. It's there forever in some way, shape, or form. And you definitely need to be mindful of it. Dan gave us the very same watchwords he gives his own children. Be mindful about what you post, but also bear in mind what companies actually care about. They're trying to protect their brand and their employees. The kinds of things you should be really wary of, being an online bully, threatening violence, sexual impropriety, and maybe many, many posts about drugs and alcohol. If you've been posting about those things, maybe you should take a second look at your social media. But ultimately, Dan says, most things, you shouldn't sweat. Dan gave us some good advice on social media don'ts. But turns out, there are a lot of do's, because our online presence can actually help us get hired. According to social media consultant Rachel Carton, your social media can help you get a job. Rachel's been in the social media biz for over 10 years, which when you consider how long social media has been part of our lives, Facebook was founded in 2004 and TikTok in 2016, that's actually a long time. She's led social media teams at Bon Appetit and Epicurious and leveraged her own social media to grow her newsletter and her business. She's used social media to get hired. So I asked her if I could turn to social media to do the same thing. Of course you can. I think that, you know, there's platforms like LinkedIn that are the most sort of obvious social media platforms to get hired. You see a lot of those types of posts where people say, hey, I'm looking. If anyone has any connections, let me know. And that's sort of the most obvious way to get hired. But then now we're seeing a lot more types of ways to get hired. Building a personal social presence, maybe around your niche. On TikTok, there's people who talk about working in finance and giving finance tips on social media. And that can be an interesting way in to get hired as well as sort of building your personal brand around a more you know, professional niche and sharing there. And, and you might be a more desirable candidate because of that. So also different jobs might ask for different engagement with social media, right? Like, how might you go about this differently if you work in sales or in advertising versus if you're a lawyer or an accountant? Sure. I think some jobs allow you to maybe uh, brag about your wins a little bit more online. So a sales person might do a Twitter thread of a recap of 2022 of all of the amazing sales they did for the company and sort of brag about it there. Whereas a lawyer or an attorney, they can't talk about what they're doing as much. It might be a little bit more 
um, hidden. So I think certain jobs sort of lend themselves better to to bragging, sharing, whatever you want to call it on social media. Okay, but how do you know if what you're putting out there is actually having an impact? I think that the the response is usually pretty clear. On a LinkedIn post, you will see people commenting all the time being like, oh, I'll keep my eyes out. People will be very encouraging there. And with Twitter, for example, if you have a thread that really does well, maybe that's talking about some of the work that you did this year, it's not uncommon to receive a DM from somebody who maybe works at a company who's interested in hiring you. I've heard a lot of examples of people getting reached out to on Twitter and getting jobs that way. Are there things that you've seen in social media that are just really great for helping people get a job? Like specific examples where you thought, oh, that's brilliant. I would say in terms of getting a job, really feeling no shame about bragging about your wins. I think a lot of people feel like it's cringy or it's lame to talk about work that they've done. But if you worked on a campaign, if you worked on a certain case, if you're a lawyer, talk about it, talk about that you were involved in it. Don't be afraid to say how you were involved and really um, putting clear examples to the work that you're doing and attaching yourself to those, I think is really important, whether that's a Twitter thread explaining the campaign you worked on, or if you're a photographer, an Instagram post with a carousel of images of a shoot you did with a certain brand, and just not being afraid to, to brag a little bit about the work that you're doing. I mean, I have to be honest, this feels kind of labor intensive. My case would be that it works and that it's not as labor intensive as maybe you're thinking of it as. And is it more of like an emotional labor intensity where you're like, this is so cringe, I don't want to post this? Or is it actually like labor intensive for you to post a link that's something that you're excited about and like talking about it? Reframing it that way. And when like people I love post their wins, I'm like so excited for them. So I would try and think about it that way and not like think about it as like, oh, does the cringy person on Twitter who writes a thread every day that like makes no sense post? Like it's not, that's not you. You are the cool person that somebody wants to hear from. Rachel says, I'm the cool person. Ha <laughs> ha! Someone tell my brother. Her advice to all of us, embrace putting your work self into your social media presence. It really might get you your next job. If, like me, you think that might be too labor intensive or cringy, fear not. Give it a shot. And also, shamelessness can be an asset, especially when it comes to posting your work wins. So listeners, consider sharing those work wins and shouting your achievements on Twitter, on LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok. Let the world know just how fabulous you are at your job. You never know where it'll lead. Frozen femurs in the freezer. Jeffrey Dom. And I'm Casey Cronus, live downtown with bombshell allegations against the Anatomical Gift Association of Illinois. And we need to warn you, the details and some of the images in this story are disturbing. Also known as the AGA, the association is more than a century old. Individuals can choose to donate their bodies to science after their death. And that's where the association comes in, working with eight medical schools in the state. But the transportation coordinator for the association is coming forward with claims that bodies are being mishandled and mistreated before they are sent to local hospitals and schools. 
Some, he alleges, are even returned by medical institutions because they are in such poor shape. Dale Wheatley has worked for the AGA for five years. We've blurred this next image, but it is still graphic. Of his claims, Mr. Wheatley says that when he approached his supervisors with his concerns about procedures, three dismembered heads from donated bodies were left at his desk. During a press conference with an attorney today, he also detailed some of the conditions he says he's discovered and tells us they have requested an investigation through the Illinois Department of Public Health. My boss walked by, I asked him why the heads were at my desk, and he told me they need to get back with their bodies so we can send them to cremation. I said, I understand that. Why are they at my desk? And he told me, well, I don't know, Dale. There's a lot of strange things happening. There has been instances where I pulled donors from our storing room out of the racks, and rats have chewed through the bottom of the bag, through the feet. Now, according to its website, the AGA observes practices with utmost respect and privacy. We've made multiple attempts to reach the AGA by phone and email, but are still waiting for their response to Mr. Wheatley's claims. Coming up at 5, we'll have even more of his shocking allegations. Reporting live downtown, Casey Cronus, Fox 32, Chicago. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, June 9, 2023, so I have been told. This is our weekly broadcast, Neutralizing Workplace Racism, not for spectators. Certainly, if we have any non-white people in the known universe, you've figured out what to do, what not to do. Help get these problems solved in the workplace. Let us know how you did that. What did you do? What did you not do? Did you have to say certain things? Hey, what do you do to keep the severed heads off of your desk on the job real talk Mr. Wheatley if you got that any information on that speed dial let us know right now no severed heads in my work area thank you number to dial if you have tips 605 313 Five one six four. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Is it is it relevant? You think that Mr. Wheatley is a black male? We think that's that's not even relevant. We think that you know these are just unprofessional folks, and I mean. For reals, I don't know. I had never heard of what is it? The Anatomical Gift Association of Illinois. I had never heard of this organization. However, I can tell you, we did read Medical Apartheid. I can tell you, 
we just did that whole program just a few months back april i believe it was right ncaa championship talking about you or virginia excuse me virginia medical college in richmond their history grave robbing talked about that last week matter of fact john james audubon the audubon ballroom where malcolm x was assassinated john james audubon in addition to being an ornithologist bird watcher racist slave owner he allegedly participated in grave robbing digging up the engines only good engine dead engine digging them up sending the skulls to his friend Mr. Morgan who is a phrenologist so it's a long history all kinds of shenanigans with dead people's body parts and skulls and all this but Mr. Dale Wheatley being a black male he does the delivery driving like dang that's you think you think they would have dumped these severed heads on his desk if if it had been a white employee who had said hey man you know we not showing proper respect you know they got rodents digging through the bags and things you know we're transporting bodies just medical colleges and things med students and things need this material so they can learn anatomy go out and cure things get the rona solved then we're you know being lackadaisical not even showing proper respect ah, shut up dale fix his put some feet on his desk tomorrow hmm. Mr. Wheatley, privileged black male. Is that relevant? I don't know. Do we have any folks? I know we got folks in med school and a few other. Do we have any people who who work in a medical environment like that or scientific environment like that? It would professionalism, right? I say that all the time, just being professional and even just follow the rules, man. They didn't say he came in and wanted to play rap music. They didn't say he was late. Illinois got recreational cannabis. They didn't say he wanted to come in and smoke on the job and all this other old craziness. They didn't say he wanted to have sexual intercourse with the corpse. That's a big problem, too, you know. They didn't say any of that. They just said Mr. Wheatley made a report. Let's follow the rules. We got some misconduct going on here. Let's be more professional. How we store the bodies and everything. What's incorrect about that? Who would have a problem with that? Hmm. Anyway, I will say, incidentally, all of the reports I always think hmm, that's interesting. You know, teacher shortage. We got teachers right here, right? Lifeguard shortage, all the, you know, everything. I am interested. I wouldn't play it if I wasn't. But something like that severed head report, amongst the others, that's why we consistently do news reports for workplace racism. I think it is so critically important. Uh, to be alert, informed about things that happen in the area of labor, all areas really, but particularly labor, because that seems like uh, an area that we just don't put a lot of focus on. Even things that happen to us on the job, per se, until we walk in and, oh, my God, they got five pairs of hands stacked up on my desk. What's going on then is, whoa, maybe this workplace racism thing is a big deal. Matter of fact, what I tell you, this week, I've said it for years, the whole time we've been on the air. Every time I speak with a Cows listener or a random non-white person who has never heard of the Cows radio program within seconds, at minimum minutes, 
first time we speak, 50th time we speak, whatever, racism on the job comes up. It happened just this week, literally days ago. I'm sitting outside, spring weather in Seattle, chilling, getting ready for programs for this week. Black male who I'd never seen before in my life. Hey, black brother, how you doing? Okay, how you doing? I got my guard. I don't know. Is he coming to call me a coon? What's going on here? Let's see. This is black brother. Man, hard at work today. My goodness. Beautiful day out here. You enjoying yourself. Just taking a break. I'm at work. He says, man, black brother. We work over stores right here. Got another black coworker. I said, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> So we got got another black coworker. He just started this week, and he's older. When I say older, older than me. That's always you know. He's older than me. I'm gonna. I think he did. I think he told me. I think he said he was like. I'm gonna say fifty because I don't remember. I'm gonna just say fifty. Uh, he said I'm older. You know, trying to look out for young guys out here doing their thing. Guys just starting work. It's like hey, love that beautiful. Wish everybody was doing that. Wish I'd had you know five or six people like that. I'd be in a better position myself. So he says you know trying to look out for the young guys you just got this new black guy started work this week i think he said two days ago just been here two days and he said uh he didn't even come into work today he didn't call nothing i said oh not a good look like oh we and he works with a lot of white people he said that already he said man the white people that we work with they're sitting here looking and they look at him and say, oh, old Leroy didn't show up today. Mm-hmm. Know how you all are, your old cousin Leroy. Give him a chance. And he said, oh, God. <laughs> I've been working and I knew they were going to do that. He doesn't show up. They're going to say it's all of us. I knew they were going to do that. Now, I will say, if Leroy had been a Rhodes Scholar, showed up to work early every day, Fresh shave, professional, suspenders on, not just the belt, ready to work, feeling good, speaks to everybody. How you doing? Great to see you. Great day. We're getting to work right now. If he had showed up and done that, I seriously doubt that the white people would have been so impressed. <gasps> Did you see Leroy? He is the hardest worker we got. You know, that's what I say about you, Negroes. I, I knew we did. I don't think it would have been. Leroy has made all the Negroes look. It would have been. Man. Man. He must have some white grandfather or something. You know, his ne- Leroy's Negro tendencies will show sooner or later. I don't pull the wool over our eyes first. Few days. That's what it would have been. Anyway, so Leroy doesn't call, doesn't show up, blah, blah, blah. He says, look here, Gus, I'm going to tell you, brother. I'm going to tell him. Say, look, you want to keep this job? You have your behind here. If you're not going to come in, you call, because we're not going through this. You give me a call, I'll let them know what happened. But you don't leave us out. It's disrespectful to your coworkers, which it is. Disrespectful, discourteous to your coworkers, unprofessional. Let us know what's going on. If you don't want the job, then now. Yeah, it's rough, man. Now, I hope he seemed like he had a coat about him and everything. So I hope he has that sort of conversation, you know, privately with this younger fella and uh, can kind of let him know and all the rest of it. But I say in that workplace, like, hey, we are not brothers, sisters, homies, partners, 
the Negro team, the non-white alliance, none of that. We are united, independent. If it's other non-white people on the job, that's great, maybe. Uh, but I certainly do not have any sort of expectation or assumption that these individuals are going to have my best interest in mind, are going to care about me, or have going to have some sort of understanding of white supremacy racism. They might not even like me. In fact, they might hate my guts. That's fine. No problem. But I'm not going to come in and we're all working together. And if I'm late, they got my back. Do not think that way at all. And if someone comes in and they're talking to you like that, my black sister. Right. I'll put it there. Five on the black hand side. We right here. We in it together. And, you know, white again. You can pull them to the side, let them know. Let's keep it professional. Let's keep it professional. However you, you know, need to convey that. But woof, that is uh, all of that being too familiar and what have you in the workplace can produce a lot of problems. And I come back to the basics for the workplace, being on time, be professional, Showing up when you're supposed to be there, call in if you can't be there. Just basic professionalism for the workplace can go a long way, especially for individuals classified as black. Okie dokie. Number again, 605-313-5164, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star six one if you would like to participate. We'll get to the folks who dialed in, emails, all that good stuff. Uh, start a few things from some of the news reports that we heard. Uh, let's see. Number one, the journalists that are going on strike. I know, or I guess some folks are aware, uh, lots of print news journalists. They have been fired, shrinking, struggling. People don't read newspapers and people check online, watch TV, all the rest of it. So they've been struggling regardless. Uh, And then here, lots of those folks saying that they are struggling on top of that because it's reduced staff. uh, And then they're not getting any money and all the rest of it. Like, man, there are quite a few professions. Uh, They've even heard a slew of them right there. Teachers, that's another one where... Man, you would think like you go to school and all the studying and research to to get good at your craft. And then, man, you can't even eke out a, a quality living uh, at this job. and got to be going on strike uh, all the time just to get adequate wages and what have you. Like, man, the system, the system of white supremacy can set up a myriad of ways uh, for you, particularly if you are not white to get very discouraged with any effort to I'm going to go out here and try and do my best and achieve and work hard and all that. It's like for what? Especially if you're classified as black. They had a lot of white people who are grousing uh, about, you know, the state of print journalism and their jobs and compensation, what they're expected to do. Even you heard a hint of that, that some of this. Let's see if we can push this off on the bot. Like maybe they can't write a, a complex story like Elizabeth Holmes and. Uh, the, the her fraud and felony trial and all this theft and lying to people with the blood samples and everything, but they can do the lottery. They can put that on the bot. They can write that up and all the rest of it. Like, whew, man, uh, let's see. And I mean, that does have consequences when you have fewer journalists, 
fewer people who are informed about things that are happening. There are consequences to that. Uh, let's see. So then we heard about the journalists are on strike, some of them. And then we heard about the teacher shortage. Now, that's been really getting close to four years of teacher shortage because that was all through the Rona where you had people who were leaving left and right. I think even Z's mom, one of them, uh, folks who dipped out on the classroom, like, forget this. I'm not fighting over masks and social distancing and the vaccine and all the rest of it. Forget this. I'm out of here. And you had a whole lot of folks associated with the school. They said the same thing. And for some of the same reasons, like, man, they don't just let anybody come and get a byline and write for the New York Times or one of these other papers. I don't think it was the Times journalists who were going on strike, but they don't just let anybody be a journalist, especially if you're non-white. They don't just let anybody get up in front of a classroom and teach a room full of students, especially if you're a black male, say, young academic. They don't do that. You got to go to school, get a piece of paper or at least do some cheating and pretend, wink, wink, you went to school and got a degree and all of that. And then they'll let you get up there and teach. You go through all of that and you still can't even make good money. They said, I know tons of teachers who are struggling. We've heard those reports over and over. Bay Area uh, mom, like I said, Z's mom talking about teachers. Uh, who are struggling so bad they're staying in their car and don't have enough food to eat and what are we going to do? Like, are you serious? Yes. System of white supremacy. Yes. And have that be so widespread and all the stress from the pandemic and everything else. Like, man, you got people who got to be thinking, are we going on strike this month and all the rest? Do you really think they're going to be at their best to teach? Hmm. Uh, continuing with the shortages even the lifeguard shortages now that's one I was talking about some months back that's one because they've been talking about that that's not a new thing they've been talking about that for some time if let's say you're someplace other than Chicago where they're raping the lifeguards and all that big story out in Illinois area if you're someplace else I have offspring they don't they don't have any scandals they haven't been raping people out at the beach or the pool or whatever Uh, with the lifeguards if I think based on evidence I can trust I'm not putting my child daughter son in harm's way man I would have been thinking about that last year because that job being a lifeguard if it's like you get one of the ones that's maybe maybe you're out at the beach or something oh my god man that is easy work and I mean on the scale of okay I'm working at Wendy's right I got to make the fries, tater tots, clean out the frosty machine, okay? Pick cotton, work at the Dollar General, chase down shoplifters. I'm thinking on the scale of, of summer job. What it, hey, work at the summer camp, right? Got to chase these children around, make sure that they distance and wash their hands and all that other grubbiness, right? Okay, lifeguard. Now, there are children at the beach, pool, for sure, but they're not your responsibility, you just got to make sure they don't drown. That cushy job and I suspect that lifeguard job pays better than all those other jobs that I mentioned. You will make way more money. Lifeguard post flipping burgers, wieners, even veggie burgers. All of what are you going to do? Babysit? 
walk the dog, mow some yards, do some landscaping. Like, are you serious? We've already had 90 degree heat here in Seattle. It's not even summer yet. I'm going to go outside. We got climate change. I'm going to go outside. You can't even go outside right now in New York. The sky is black. Got all that dust and smog and everything else. So you can go outside. You can mow grass in that or walk the dog or whatever. Paint, clean window, whatever you can think of. Lifeguard. I said library. Those are the jobs I would have been thinking about. If I had children or young people and they wanted a summer job, we would have been planning for those easier jobs like in the last year, January, really last summer or the end of last year. If you're someplace where swimming lessons and everything that you would need, certification, CPR to get that lifeguard job, just look at those qualifications. You got a good six to eight months. Get everything that you need so that you know you will be good. And then bang, show up application with the shortages and things that they got. As long as you're qualified, you probably automatically got the job. That's chilling. Three months. I'm stacking money. I'm sitting outside. I'm hollering at all of the girls in the bikini like magnificent times. Way better than flipping burgers, right? The library, when I pushed that one too, I said I would get something that's air conditioned, something where I can sit around. I don't have to do anything, not labor intense. I'm not going to be sweating real hard and having people yell at me, raping me either. Jobs for the young people for the summer. Next, let's see. <laughs> Jobs that they keep from black people. Now, we just had Dr. Jennifer L. Pierce guest on the program on Wednesday. We talked about affirmative action talked about firefighters specifically and how white people labor have groused for decades we don't want negras we don't want negras we don't want negras unless they're going to clean the toilet no negras fine okay we finally get around we got to hire some niggas we got to hire some oh we don't want that fire department we play that like every other week they got reports about the fire department where they're grousing and complaining and lawsuits and oh we don't want any more of the opalaka three and oh they didn't do that retired fire that's another example right there retired firefighter and company they come through mr clark they come through it's not oh wow you know they got this old lip beard that we could just shave them but other than that they show up on time they're professional they train they don't come in here playing rap music we got that one coon comes in here reading malcolm x but you know other than that eh, they're all right could be a little bit more patriotic but they're all right you know maybe we won't be so bad having niggers on the fire department eh. that's not what happened at all yeah. Yeah. You know, is there anything we can do to get rid of them Ugh. how long are they can we split them up we have to have them all here Ugh. Ugh. what are we gonna do what are we gonna do unjust networking that's what it's been that they're talking about trying to get programs to create more so-called diversity let's get more non-white firefighters fine now some of that is going to be because what i keep repeating the silver tsunami you have got white people who are getting older increasingly more of the children that are born are not white so as these crotchety racist white male firefighters mostly age out and retire that's not exactly a job that i mean you can eat all the okra and Brussels sprouts and drink water and do yoga and exercise do all that you want I don't think you're going to see too many folks being a firefighter at 70 65 that's one for sure 
you get past your prime. So we have to replace you. Maybe you can be a trainer or whatever and share that knowledge that you've accumulated. But, I mean, really, you want young, what does it say, the young, strapping, firefighter, manly, and virile. That's what you want at the fire department. So increasingly, that means you're going to have to have non-white people in these jobs. Eee. That's exactly what we didn't want. Eee. Nice government job, too, with training and pension and benefits. Eee. Eee. That's exactly what we didn't want. Eee. And they go from the fire department. We got the young people also in Florida, South Florida, too, right? They complain masked academy. And we've heard this over and over as well, where young people, just what I said, you try to do your best. I said that right at the beginning, like, hey, I want to go to the Art Institute. I'm going to go to community college. Mark Furman inspired me. I'm going to go to the University of Miami. The young fellow, retired firefighter, talked to us about it. I'm going to be an oceanographer. I'm going to go to school and study, learn. I'm going to go to Mast Academy, do the best that I can. You know, you try and do your best. White supremacy, racism strikes again. It's the same thing we hear all the time. You don't get the help that you're supposed to get. Even, in fact, a young lady in Georgia who said, man, when you go to these schools and things, Mast Academy or wherever, Art Institute, whatever, University of Miami, when you go there, you are supposed to get everything that you need for whatever your field, whatever you're studying, everything that you need. So when it's done, it's time to go to that job. Like I said, you're going to be a lifeguard. I know everything I need to get this job. You got to hold your breath, swim test, CPR, whatever. I got it. Same thing. That doesn't happen with us with these colleges. We go now to white people. They get to go and cheat and do the diploma mill and all that. They can do all that nonsense and they're fine. We go and try and do it the right way and they're messing us up all the way around and can't do this and then leave and can't even go out and get a job because I haven't been adequately trained, educated. That's not by accident. That's deliberate. I hadn't even heard of that one. Mass Academy where I haven't ex- visited Florida extensively. Uh, let's see. We got the Mast Academy. Then we heard uh, the social media post. Wall Street Journal. Now, I've talked about social media here for years. I've just said flat, unequivocally, maybe because I'm uh, more of a geezer. Maybe I wouldn't have this opinion if I was 19, 20, maybe. I've said unless you're in a specific field, okay, you do some sort of graphic design. You're an artist. You're an entertainment. They even you're a journalist. It will probably be expected that you will have a social media presence. Have some posts, post your work, that sort of thing. As they said in the piece, brag about your wins, right? You post a freelance journalist myself. You got to post when you write things, new pieces and all that. You got to post, post, post. Hope other people share it, too. Unless you're in one of those fields. I submit, delete that pub, uh, social media and or make it private. Really, I'm on team deleted. At minimum, make it private and it's not connected to your government name so that no one that you work with, white or non-white, they would not easily find this information unless you gave it to them directly. If that didn't happen, this is not something that they're going to find. I don't know if we have anybody 
you got a job, even I'm going I'm to expand it. If you got a job or if you even improved your status on your job amongst your coworkers because of your social media presence, please share that with us. If that's happened to you, people were really impressed. The followers that you've collected or you make lots of witty responses and things and, you know, they want to apply that to the company or whatever. Let us know, because I'm not aware of that. I'm just aware of folks getting in trouble and or really what I'm more aware of is unjust networking and gossiping. I'm not even aware so much of people where they went on for black people, non-white people I'm talking about where coworkers went on their social media to find things, violations to get them fired and all the rest of it. I'm not really aware of that as much as I'm aware of because people have told me it's more of we want to go do some snooping. What are you talking about? Hmm, Let's see how much information can we find out about you like that grain of sand Mr. Fuller talks about and then we will use it for our dastardly purposes when the time is right. That's really more what I've seen. Like, let's go and snoop. You didn't give us enough details about the vacation. Let's go and see, you know, did you post pictures of where you went on your vacation? You know, you you just had a child. Oh, you're breastfeeding? Oh, let's see what type of breast pump you got. Let's go see if we can look on here. Snoop, put that in our dossier. That's really more what I've seen. It's not anything constructive. It's not anything where, wow, I'm so impressed. You're so informed. And the content that you share and the people that follow you, they're so mature. And inf- like, no, no. I'm not aware of that at all. If, like I said, and I know we do have people there in some of those fields, entertainment, right, art, graphic design, that sort of thing where you got to share. Do what you do. That's great. But for the general population where that's not the case, you're an engineer. (laughs) There's nothing per se that you're going to be on social media and you got to have a page about what you built, that sort of thing. The rest of us, you delivery driver for the anatomical gift association I don't know that you need a social media presence certainly not a public one my man John Morant that sort of thing like ending up on social media for some nonsense right just going to be more problems for you now incidentally what they said within there that in my view applies more to white people where they said having a whole lot of social media where it's just a lot of alcohol drug drug paraphernalia absolutely I agree with that a thousand percent that's what I mean like if you're a young person because I think especially if you have younger people right they got their social media accounts let's say most people now they social media from six right ten all the rest of it so they got social media from here I'm pretty sure most of us probably have some pictures from 17 18 19 20 college days Probably would not want that to be public. Certainly would not want those circulated amongst your coworkers, white or non-white. I would do my best to convey that to your offspring often. You do not want this stuff just lingering to cause you problems down the road in the work environment. You want to have social media, what they said, make it private and then not under your name. And really even caution them, 
really, why do you need to have all these pictures of yourself? Especially if it's you drinking this. And I know tons of people. Every time they go to the bar, I got to show, ooh, look at this blue motorcycle. And ooh, look at this Long Island tea. And ooh, look at it. Come on. Come on. Like I said, younger people, very aware. They got to show every time they go to the liquor store and get a new bottle of Great Goose or whatever they're drinking. They got to show that off. You just heard Wall Street Journal. I would not have that on my social media and I probably would not want my social media page public if I know now way back in 2012 woo, me and Pam was kicking it tough and man we had that Jack Daniels and well okay <laughs> Pam close to my heart but everybody does not need to see me and Pam with Jack Daniels I don't know anybody who said I did not get a job or encountered workplace difficulties because I have no social media presence and they found that suspicious. I have not talked to that person. If you exist, let us know. Things being the way that they are, I would much rather take a chance and have it be that way. I got in trouble because I don't have a social media presence. And I would tell them too, if they say, what? You don't have social media? Why? I'm not in one of those fields. I would just tell them, man, have you seen all of these reports? Mark Zuckerberg and that they are not careful with our data at all. They got leaks. They got hacks. You got employees talking about they don't know if this is healthy and I just threw my hands up with it all. That's exactly what I would say and that real talk, that's true. I would not be on social media if it was not for this program in one of those fields. But that's exactly what I would say. What are they going to say? Tons of white people that's what they did when deleted their accounts and that's exactly what they said Mark Zuckerberg not safe enough of my data I can't do it you all let me know if you got a better better means of handling all that and we do have some people who also they have a total fake social media account it's up there people know about it public they don't post anything except things related to their field and that's it now that can work too. You just got to make sure that you're disciplined. What you post, who knows about it, and then forever. This is my pretend burner account, and I just use it in case somebody, you got to have a professional presence, and boom, boom, boom. Okay, bam, there it is. That, that in my view, really disgraceful that we got to take up this much time with social media but i mean jesus you see that all the time it's not just john morant people who don't watch sports thank god this is young black male who just got in like it almost would be no exaggeration like really billion dollar trouble by the time you look at endorsements and his salary because i think he's on one of those like 200 million dollar contracts uh where there were reports and things allegations that he had been flashing a gun he got suspended punitive actions were taken and then happened again but this time on somebody's uh ig live feed uh where he's brandishing a gun again now they're talking about this massive suspension that could billion dollar problem for instagram and it's time that's why i say there's so many people get in trouble for you know doing stuff on their somebody's live feed or social media or what have you like man if I had a job, any sort of job, making anything, and I don't want to lose it, man, any of my friends, I'm hanging out with them. We do, in fact, don't do any sort of live around me at all. 
make that clear. I don't know what might be going. I might have to sneeze. I haven't looked in the mirror real quick. Make sure that I'm straight or what have you. Like, don't do any live feed around me ever for any reason. Period. Can't abide by that. Deuces. We can't kick it anymore. Way too many. And I mean, even talking white people getting in problems, you know, live feed or something they tweeted or something they said some years ago or what have you. Scrub all that. That solves that problem. Uh, the severed heads, I can only repeat again. Dale Wheatley, I maybe would have missed that back in the day, not informed about what racism is, how it works. Dale Wheatley, black male. All he did was make a report about unprofessional conduct. Let's follow the rules. Let's do what the manual says, how we should conduct ourselves. Mm, uppity negro, we'll fix him. Y'all think this would have happened? If Mr. Wheatley was white, you think he would have came to work and had the severed heads piled up on the desk? Triple T all day long. I don't even know, want to know the families. Like, these are real heads, right? This is not, you know, a movie prop or a mannequin or something like that. Who are the, the relatives, right, for the, the, the heads that are being misused in this manner? Like, do what? They donated their body for science? advance human cause so we can learn how does brain damage work and all the rest of it and this is how you all are behaving which again that's white culture heard about that through and through here on the cows white people have been doing this sort of thing for a long time that's why you got old Jeff Dahmer brag about it Netflix and all anyway uh, let's see email until justice at gmail.com the number 605-313-5164 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate the email until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com we'll get to the emails as we proceed as well even some of the news reports there were a plethora of those also let's see uh, folks who dialed in commentary to share let's see here folks spectating spectating we'll get an email and see folks have commentary to share let's see messed up all right email number one non-white female black female she writes in hi gus and callers unfortunately i think my current current racist line manager will be around beyond the end of this month as my director is negotiating a start date for her replacement who I found out is a black woman now she has an exclamation point there (laughs) I don't know Uh, kind of based on what I just said um, about you know we don't really have teammates and then this uh, the person who's writing this she is the same victim she had the black female that she supervised before 
who eh, <laughs> victim but uh, it, it seemed the white people were using her and she just tried to sabotage everything that our current writer uh, was trying to do and just ended up being a lot of problems so like I said before it generally it's I would be very reserved about my enthusiasm for a black person being hired. But we'll see. She continues. Going to be black female. I have no idea what the non-white female who no longer reports to me is going to do when she finds out. Nightmare. Then there's the racist suspects who are my equivalents. They dislike me, so God only knows how they will respond to having a black woman for a boss interesting times ahead mm-hmm. Z's mom talked about the pep talk she gave her daughter about white people being rewarded for nothing or even when failing she could have been describing my experience working alongside incompetent Carrie I guess for folks listening in this was I think two weeks ago Z's mom dialed in uh, the gist of it was Z track star uh, Jackie Joyner Kersey maybe in the making they uh, were doing their track meets and such and they had a white person on the team who just was super sloth lackadaisical don't even care not even trying my hardest and then they get to the end of the season they have the award banquet and this white uh, girl got an award and I think the coach made up some goofiness like oh she always just having so much fun and blah 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 all the rest of it but yeah she used it uh, Z's mom used it as a great teaching moment see white people are taught that they don't have to work hard and try their best they'll still get a prize it continues on Thursdays there's a directorate team meeting where wins of the week are called out I just they just talked about that in the report get your brags and all that right this means managers and colleagues give a shout out to someone they think has worked hard or excelled in their job incompetent carry and the racist suspect male are hailed every week for doing very little my achievements which are greater than anything they do are ignored my director's racist suspect female boss is the person who chairs the director meeting she stopped being able to say my name out loud once she realized I am black we had only communicated by email until a few months ago. <laughs> I'm laughing, but that's not really funny. I'm laughing also because one, I've said for a long time, as have others, that uh, you see the voice, email, voice, same thing, is not reliable to discern what racial classification someone is. Now, we've had some folks who say, hey, I am dynamite. You let me hear somebody talk for 60 seconds and I'm accurate. Boom, boom, boom. I know. White person, non-white person, jigaboo, whatever. I got it. Some people have said that many people make errors. And I told you, even many white people make errors. She said this white woman was all nice and courteous. And then they showed, oh, I can't wait to meet. And things change from that point forward. We have seen that before frequently. Lee. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she continues. I gave a presentation to a board meeting alongside my director. At the end of the meeting, she thanked my director by name and I was referred to as and 
team in <laughs> ah, that's so funny I'm sorry I'm that's that is not funny but dang dang like I can't get credit at all you can't even get a name in like no no not <laughs> they can't even be like her over there yes thank you thank you mm. <laughs> We'd like to thank Peggy and Melinda. You did such a great job. And team. Next. <laughs> that's the sort of thing. I'm laughing, but again, that's the sort of thing you have to expect. You cannot take it personal because that is how things are supposed to operate in the system. Not to take it personal, but that is the exact sort of thing that under- undermines confidence, competent, where you end up thinking, dang, it must be something. Maybe I'm not working hard enough. You know, maybe I'm just not. I just don't do enough to be recognized. Dang, I need to get my to get my act together. And you know, went no, 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 no. System of white supremacy racism. Nothing you can do about that. But work hard to produce justice. It continues. I gave a presentation at a board meeting alongside my director. At the end of the meeting, she thanked my director by name. And I already this is in contrast to how many times she mentions the racist suspect male name who I'm convinced has a connection to her outside of work, whether they directly or via the unjust network and incompetent carries name. I've questioned myself for being bothered by it, asking myself, am I seeking white validation? But it's not that it's the unjustness that bothers me I totally feel you and I mean I think I think that's human nature I think everybody wants to be appreciated if they do good I mean if we're in an environment where people are appreciated you do give out recognition from time to time you know thank people for what they've done acknowledge their hard work and things everybody wants to be appreciated and to at least have somebody you know at least make a word uh, about whatever work or contribution that they've made to the team or the company's success. That's human. Even children <laughs> want that. Like, dang. I to- and, and even within a workplace context, that's exactly why they said that in the Wall Street Journal report talking about using social media to brag about your wins. If you win a big case or you make a big sale or whatever, you know, that would be in your work environment. Hey, post it on social media so that people know white people at the Wall Street Journal and beyond, they understand in a work environment where people get to recognize, be told so that, oh, we should appreciate you know, Susan did a good job she did this report and got us oh, okay, great, blah, blah, blah that sort of thing has an impact on your professional development how people see me in the workplace do I get, you know, a call for this promotion or a new position opens up here. That's what, all of that is directly. Why do we do this in the first place? Right. They're not doing this just so we can waste, you know, a few five minutes. Generally, they do that for a reason. So, yeah, I think it. I mean, certainly we even the white validation aspect of it being validated by a white person in many settings, school and beyond. That can be huge. That can mean, hey, I get into school. I get a promotion. I get a raise. I get hired. That's the system of white supremacy. So, yeah, I mean, that's I think it's human nature to be bothered at all of us to be bothered when 
we feel underappreciated. And particularly if you feel like you're working hard in an environment and, you know, my, am I going to get these raises? Am I going to get this promotion? That sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's super valid. And that's just another part of why we need to get about solving this problem where you got incompetent carry is thought well of. And, oh, wait, maybe they got a new opening. Maybe we should think about Carrie for this team. Mm, she can run the project. Like, Jesus, Lord. Let's see. Okay, yeah, kind of much obliged for writing in. Yeah, that that's why I said I think number one, having a better understanding of what white supremacy racism is. That's Z genius, Z's mom. Well, both of them, because she said that Z understood as well. But being able to share that at an early age, so that we can help minimize some of the frustration and anxiety from all of that, because it is so it's worldwide and it's so common, and it does it. I mean. That is total human nature. I mean, even beyond human nature, if you've seen a pet, man, anybody, if you've seen a dog or something like that, if you have a dog and they go get the paper, what have you, they want, man, you better rub on me and give me a treat or something, man. I'm out here work like that's many organisms. I've seen that same behavior and race soldiers. They will sit there and know you are working hard contribute you might be the hardest working most valuable employee there and frequently that'll be the case for a non-white person in many a work environment and as opposed to proper appreciation much less proper compensation for that non-white work nah nah we'll find some white person we'll find in fact they'll find some lazy white person to sing their praises and then you're over here and old good for nothing Leroy came in 30 seconds late this morning didn't you Leroy <laughs> I stayed 5 hours late last night <laughs> and I was still running and it was only 30 seconds late like dang, dang. <laughs> much obliged for the email until justice at gmail dot com so much of it is at least in my view that doesn't totally right like neutralize the impact that it has on our well-being emotionally mentally but i think it at least can mitigate it greatly just grasping and even reminding ourselves yes system of white supremacy racism not supposed to get that validation not going to be congratulations heck they might not even name me and we've heard this from many other folks too i think i call in florida at the courthouse said the same thing They'll send out emails and what have you and do their, you know, congratulations for our team. You know, they did this project. Congratulations for the team. They did that project. And then they get to the segregated area where it's a lot of non-white workers. And uh, yes, uh, you all did a great job. That's everybody. Keep it up. Have a great time. Everybody wants to be. I do have a name. They have name badges in many workplaces or they'll put your name at the office door and that sort of thing. Everybody likes to be acknowledged by name, but to be expected. But that that's exactly what I said before. That is exactly the type of conduct that can rob you of your motivation. Now, do I want to do my best work? Do I want to come in here? early every day do i want to stay late and work extra hard that sort of thing exactly in the system of white supremacy because it's so widespread it robs you of the motivation to work really really hard because you're not going to be recognized for it anyway
Number again, 605-313-5164. The code, 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Email is untiljustice at gmail.com. Let's see. We'll nab folks if they have uh, commentary to share or, and or suggestions uh, to share any of the workplace situations. Folks are I'm not sure. Spectating, I guess. They're spectating. We'll give folks, uh, I don't know, like five minutes or so. They have commentary not for spectators. Say once again, not for spectators uh i don't know if we have tons of folks who you know listening in in the workplace where they are not mistreated you get all of your correct compensation they don't leave the severed body parts and things in your work area that never happens to you let us know how did you how did you pull this off man like what did you what did you say what did you do you get correct compensation and all the rest of it they don't do any of that old nonsense leave you alone you get to work your schedules they don't come and rash you about the juneteenth picnic none of that stuff just work your shift get paid get all your benefits as scheduled and go about your business let us know let's see make sure i did not miss uh on our emails oh that's not workplace related workplace places workplace racism related i will make sure i get in the uh because there were several other reports this week that i thought were important for a variety of reasons like i said making sure that you keep up with what's being reported workplace wise labor super important uh let's see this one or at least the first one domino's right people know the pizza franchise at least people in the u.s former that's Olean Domino's owner to pay $150,000 to settle race harassment lawsuit. This is in New York. I've never even heard of this place. Federal officials reported the former owner of the Olean Domino's franchise will pay $150,000 to settle a lawsuit over race based harassment. The US EEOC Equal Opportunity Commission uh, reported last Thursday that Paris Pizza Company LLC agreed to a five-year consent decree to pay $150,000 to black employees who were harassed and will send an apology letter to all former employees. If Paris Pizza opens any new businesses during the five-year period, it will institute robust anti-discrimination policies and provide training on the requirements of the federal anti-discrimination laws for all employees. The law requires employees to thoroughly investigate complaints of racial harassment and take effective action to end a hostile work environment, said Jeffrey Bernstein, regional attorney for the EEOC New York District Office. Skips down the consent degree sends a message to employers they cannot turn a blind eye metaphor to racial harassment, said EEOC's New York Acting District Director, Timothy Rira, R-I-E-R-A. I'm skipping down a little bit. Uh, the EEOC accused the company of subjecting African-American employees to a race-based hostile work environment. The alleged mistreatment included two managers, regular and open use of slurs such as the N-word and 
boy during every shift. Dang. <laughs> the agency alleges that black employees complained about the harassment reported and the complaints were met only with further harassment and intimidation. As an example, upon overhearing an African-American employee tell a white co-worker not to use the N-word, a manager allegedly got close to the black employee's face and, in a threatening manner, said, Nigger. And when an employee complained to the owner of Pear's Pizza, one of the managers allegedly threatened the employee with a pair of scissors. Now, I will stop there. Uh... The scissors. Now that's one of those, and I would t- t- gotta talk to your children uh, about the workplace. Uh, I worked at a restaurant, it's like Domino's Pizza Place. I worked at a restaurant when I was young. That's what I said uh, at the beginning. A lot of those summer jobs are like this. That's what uh, Eric Harris, Dylan Klebold did. They worked at the pizza joint, remember, in Columbine. Uh, for these type of job, really any job, but especially a pizza job. Man, are you serious? being threatened with a pair of shears that is the sort of thing where I would make sure you tell your offspring whomever it is hey there are times I know you want your paycheck money's important all the rest of it but there are times that job is not the most important thing if you pull if I pull the pair of scissors on someone threatening much less this context <laughs> incorrect behavior this is not I'm mad you know about the, the, the finals or whatever I want the heat to win they're losing I'm mad go Jimmy I'm gonna get my scissors out cause you got on the nuggets I mean, nah this is you've been saying racist slurs in the workplace I make a report about this and you come back with a pair of shears like hey boy let me tell you something you keep running around here to the big house reporting us about saying nigger and all the rest of it. I'm going to show you what we do to a nigger. Spell castration? Hmm? That, immediately, I think we talked about this before. There are certain points where this would be a police call. And generally, the metric I use, if you would call the police, if you were not at work, you should probably still call the police even if you are at work any sort of threat I wouldn't care if they <clears throat> if they don't have a weapon weapon sorry I don't care if they don't have a weapon if they're threatening you you know I'm gonna do something to you and you know be around after work and blah 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 and all the rest of it that's a police report unless I'm mistaken like I said if we were not at work and someone threatened you in a minute this is not a joke this is serious they are threatening bodily harm that's a police report, right? Should be. In a workplace. That's one of those things that they talk about. Like, man, all these people going and shooting up the school. All these people going and shooting up the workplace. I keep saying Gavin DeBecker, the gift of fear. That is exactly. He has an entire chapter on workplace violence. That's the exact type of thing that he talks about in terms of threatening people in the workplace that should never happen I mean real talk no serious professional work environment should allow a setting where someone is being threatened with scissors I wouldn't care what it is Sizzler, scissors a fork a stapler 
a number two pencil like no are you serious that's beyond all of that police report and I mean even with the police report you can even you know or I was going to say minimize because that's not really the point about who said nigger and all this but I mean that is important context you know how all this got started but I mean it would really just be oh yeah you went and reported us saying nigger and came back and boom 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 scissors in this hand boom 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 see if you got witnesses then then that's another one do they have cameras that's why I would want to make a police report because they enforcement officers they can get access to that video footage most of the uh, restaurants and places they're going to have cameras take it super that I mean anything like that take it serious I would talk to your offspring about that even yourself partners siblings everybody like any sort of violence threat of violence in the workplace in my view that should be an immediate police call and even if you can't do it at that exact moment same day absurd all the way through uh, documentation I can't say that enough document document for all of this everything that was said what we're not going to do I'm going to come hop in your face and say this and all, document detail and then if you have witnesses signing off is this accurate did you hear this boom 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 okay all of that now this case is even more interesting because this is kind of what we just talked about Dr. Jennifer L. Pierce two times we talked about affirmative action on Wednesday of this week. She said they don't even have quotas and all this stuff where it becomes mandatory consent decree language used here unless there is egregious misconduct in the workplace. That's what she said. She said the fact they don't have mandatory programs like this where you have to hire non-white people. You have to have some sort of anti-discrimination program whatever that means they don't even have that it has to be a court case and some probably some white judge ruled oh yeah you all have been messing around and this is what it's going to be and blah blah all the rest that's where all these rules now they got to have a program and a plant robust anti-discrimination program I, what does that entail do they have to go and get a manual that's already been produced about what they're supposed to do and not do? Do they have to talk about all the things that they did before? Oh, yeah. Charlie got the shears that day and threatened Leroy. And I mean, what 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 does all that entail exactly? They said for five years, right? So that means 2028. Unless my math is bad document man I can't say it enough and and I would want to read that plan like word by word I don't want the apology like you can throw that in the trash save trees recycle but let's see this plan in my view it should be mandatory if you have to go through all this we had to go to court and get attorneys and all the rest of it to get you to behave or at least pretend that you're not going to be racist in the workplace it should be mandatory what everything that you did we want to know all the allegations that were put forward by previous uh, workers or whatever it was or clients whomever it was all of that should be readily available as soon as you come when they go through whatever diversity training and it is they should have a binder bam these are all of the reports complaints as they said these are all the reports of misconduct that happened here previously this is what we've done to remedy so that everybody can be informed and this is another one why I say 
we should work to be informed about labor. If I'm going to take a job at Domino's, this is something I want to know. Even if I'm not going to the exact same location, I want to know this. Is this a company-wide problem? They have other family that work for this company. They move them around the company. Have you all heard of this sort of problem at any of the other locations? That's why you would want to be informed. And I certainly would not want to come into this store and I'm not hearing about any of this. The first time I hear of it is, oh, yes, now we will sit down for our uh, mandatory uh, anti-discrimination training. It's like, what? <laughs> why do they have mandatory <laughs> discrimination? And they're like, oh, my God, he had the scissors and did what? No, I do not want to find that out after I've been here for 90 days or nine days, whatever. I want to know that ahead of time. Any hoodles, let's see. Uh, number 605-313-5164. Decode 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Again, we have folks that have thoughts on... Whew, the medical I'm still stuck with the heads you know if you think this would have happened if this had been a white dude who also had a report man we're not really following the rules we could be a little bit tidier around here more organized show a little bit more respect to these you know bodies that we're transporting if you think they would have done the same thing to a white person let me know maybe this doesn't really have anything related to racism you have your other issues any of the other listeners your own personal issues with regards to what's happening in the workplace or any suggestions based on what you've heard let us know. Let's see. Uh, our mention caller down at the courthouse in Florida should be with us. Uh, look for other hands as well. I'll call her at the courthouse. Yes, sir. May I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to just the host, the listeners and callers. Um, I hadn't really heard of anything related to like the the severed heads or anything like that. Um, but it, in terms of the social media, like a lot of these, um, I don't know. I guess I'll just use the the term clans women or click white women uh, that have been at the courthouse. Um, some of them have quit. And one has gone to another courthouse in a different county, but a lot of her friends are um, are, are still at the building that I work in and in the other newer courthouse. So, you know, she helped with a lot of the nepotism. Um, as far as some of the more recent uh, observations, there was one... Uh, one incident that occurred where, because the building that I'm in, it was built in like 78, 1978, um, Curtis Powell, uh, racist, <laughs> um, time period. You know, there's been a lot of electrical issues, I guess, but over where I'm at, the, the segregated, uh, the black female that is the assistant manager, the position over myself and two other. Uh, she came in late on Wednesday 
a white woman was doing a marriage license appointment and an electrical socket, like the outlet or whatever the term is, the plug, it, uh, it, it, it had an explosion. It exploded from where she shared with me. And, you know, after she told me that, after maybe like 9 a.m., uh, the white woman, the main supervisor, uh, came and looked at it, and I guess they had a, a talk about it or whatever it was, but I didn't know what was going on, what was the, the catalyst for them being all upset. So uh, the black female came in after the white woman shared this with me. So she's in to use the plug. She kind of utilized the socket. Like she, you know, the white woman says she tried to use the shredder to, um, to uh, you know, to get rid of some information with, I guess, some kind of social security numbers on it. They use it for that reason. So nobody was saying nothing. And I, I suspected the other two coworkers knew about this. Um, so I got out of the seat my assigned seat, the assigned seat that I used. And I went to her and I said, you know, uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but you had a, a socket that exploded in here, you know. Um, I wouldn't be using any of these plugs in here right now. Oh, she was just real um, surprised, like, oh, no, I, I didn't know anything about it. So I said, you know, you should go and talk to such and such. I named the, the, the white woman. But she was on the phone in the other area, the white side. So I went to the, the supervisor's office and I said, "Hey, um, the uh, you know the coworker, my manager, was in here and she was trying to use one of the plugs." She said, "Oh, well, uh, um, you know, I, I know about the situation." Email. So I just I just walked off and I'm like, what what is an email gonna do? Still trying to use the socket, you know? She didn't know about that. They could have left a sticky note or something. Um, but you know, I wanted to you know share that 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 uh, situation first um, because you know we don't even really speak to speak to each other that much. You know, we say morning and anything like that, but. Not really like best buddies or anything like that, but I just want to share that one first because you know that's still a uh, victim of racism, and they don't really have no value for black people, anyways. You know, given that situation right there. Uh, my next situation was I was watching um, the TV during the lunch break and three white women from across the hallway, they were, uh, you know, unjust networking about a black male, the, the civil court director, because they said he, they started talking about this new clock in procedure. So we don't have to use our IDs to clock in or clock out anymore. So she was saying, yeah, were you, were you in there when I was trying to ask him, him a question? And 
the other white woman replies like, "Oh, I don't, I don't recall it. Maybe I wasn't there. What happened?" And so this this white woman says, "Oh, you know, he's a he's a he's a effing retard. He's just such an effing retard." And she kind of, you know, she stops talking. And the third white woman, she looks at me and says, "Oh, you know, uh, you know, such and such." You, you know, you're working around a lot of white women. You're going to hear a lot of gossip. And I didn't even really reply to her, you know. I said, I'm about to go back from break. But, yeah, I wrote I wrote that down. And I can just conclude here talking about the black male civil court director. Um, and my, my next observation was there's been a lot of attention about uh, a black female being shot down in Ocala in Marion County. Um, there has just been tension in the office. It's already been tension, but me and another victim have been noticing it. And along with that tension, a white man hasn't been able to uh, deal with his new responsibilities as a supervisor and he has been using another white woman to go and ask a black female manager, the lead supervisor, uh, questions on things that he doesn't know. He doesn't know these things. And the white woman that just retired, he, he didn't even give a care to even sit down with her to learn anything. Like, I already know it. I'm going to just walk around with my hand in my pocket. And, you know, like I got all this swagger, but you don't really know nothing. He just got what he got by being white. So he's he's utilizing this other white woman to go speak to a black person because she projected information because he's being real uh nasty, condescending. And telling, he's not really asking. I'm hearing that he's telling um, this black person, this black female, what to do and trying to give her things to do and trying to not be a person that's responsible for certain areas and trying to pass it off on her. And it it hasn't worked. So um, to avoid going to ask a black person who knows something, he's not going to do it. So that's another one of the tactics that racists will use. You know, you, they're not going to go and approach black people who have more experience, more knowledge in certain areas and departments. They just rather try to ask some kind of white person somewhere, but yeah, he hasn't been able to find that white person per se. Um, but other than that, this is my last one is um, I came into the department and they were talking about that this news story about a black female um, being shot down in Ocala. And apparently they don't want to talk about that. Uh, my presence, it was some black people and some white people because I speak about injustices. And I don't even say racism, but I know that's where they can tell that that's what I'm getting at. 
So they'll kind of they'll stop talking. And the, the white woman, she read this uh, social media post about the attorney um, Ben Crump. She said something about Ben Crump. Uh, yeah, Ben Crump is just a, a ambulance chaser. Now they they say this term in the courthouse for some years, you know, I, I, since I worked there. He's an ambulance chaser, and he only wants the money. And white people will read what they claim other white people say, but they'll agree with it. They'll, they'll internalize these uh, racist feelings as well. And um, other than that, on the 13th, I'll be on my 12th year at the courthouse, and that's all I have to say. Thank you. Get to use my applause button uh, two times. Got to use it yesterday, too. Maybe I'll set a pattern. We get a little bit better about replacing white supremacy with justice. Instead of instead of name-calling black people, we can give standing ovations for black people being constructive concepts and information to help us produce justice. How about that? New world. Um, I, all that other stuff, you know, uh, fucking retard and everything else like yeah yeah we'll, we'll get to that maybe man the electrical outlet I ignorant Gus T you know <laughs> trying to do the best that I can worthless negro I have said for some time the big word for labor in the workplace S A F E T why safety WTH man I mean maybe 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 if it, the whole courthouse was Negros maybe our old privileged black male he comes in I'm gonna make sure he doesn't get no 12 years maybe if the outlet blows up, you see the smoke and flames and sparks and everything flying. Maybe. If I think, oh, it might just burn down his office, might burn down the whole unit. Great. No more niggers. Love it. I didn't like the segregated area anyway. I don't even like going by the door. He told us. I don't even like going by the exit right there. Man, you could have had a fire in the whole courthouse and had a blaze. They got records there and what? Even if it's a small one, I've been present. For the small fires, it's something quick and tidy. Retired firefighter tell you about that one too. And you have to bug the fire department and get everybody out. And you got that smell and all the rest of it. That is safety. Why isn't that immediate? You're at the courthouse. I'm just making assumptions. I could be wrong. But you're working at, you know, government facility. Normally, they have a budget, if not maintenance that works right there with you sometimes they'll have a whole office where they just sit around and drink they do the same thing that he told us that white fella did sit around drink coffee walk around with the clipboard until somebody breaks something oh now the toilet i put my coffee down i go and plug the toilet and then i go back that's what i do is maintenance. i just wait around until they break something or they have to move something if they don't have that i'm sure they got it in the budget they could have called an electrician it's not a holiday they could have called an electrician like that's serious how in the world is that? Whoa. 
Got an explorer? Uh, uh, I'll send him an email. Nah. <laughs> like, uh, she's right here? Maybe she didn't see the email. Uh, maybe this is serious enough. Let's get on this right now before we have a fire. Yeah. He said he goes, like, you know, maybe we want to say something, do something about it, if anything. That's two applause, maybe. Bravo, because he could have totally been what they say about us. Old shiftless, privileged black male. He could have just, mm, not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> got my got my shoes laced up to keep my eye out. If I, I smell anything, I'm out. He could have did that, right? It's not my office. White people will take care of it. I'm not in charge. What I think, universal man, universal woman. Like, hey, wait a minute safety man and it could be a fire we got children to come in the court let's make sure we're safe here uh, ma'am you know you might not want to use that and then when you go say hey man we don't we want to go say something about the outlet they got explosions and such right oh wait, wait. shut up coon i sent her an email okay safety i say that all the time like you really we have to prioritize safety because hey if you're on a plantation that's already not safe that notwithstanding uh the friend she got the click member one of them moved on she's got tons of homies behind if anything that's the sort of thing to keep in mind right you go to a new plantation you think you're doing something cool maybe you're working at the spot where the one who left the place that she went if you're over there and you think it's cool i can get away from her and come here no you're just going to hang out with her other sisters and she's probably already gossiped to them about you when you get to the new place so yeah the all that with the new clock in procedure number one i got really excited because i was like oh i was talking about that last week where they were saying they're gonna have all these new technology and biometrics like that day is going to be done like you come in and you got to clock in like with a card or i don't even know whatever like you got to go and get on a computer like oh that is done <laughs> it's going to be we got some sort of bot maybe barred i don't know uh and it does a retina scan or a palm scan or they might not even have that might be you know antiquated by pretty quick uh where they just have a camera that can pick bang all that up oh okay bang leroy checking in he was here still three minutes late and moving forward, that sort of thing. He said they got the new technology. I don't even know how fancy they got it in North Florida. Then they get upset. We got the black male, privileged black male supervisor. Nah, he's a fucking retard. Now, that's one that I would put on the scale too. Now, I know you have some environments, construction, bar, tavern, <laughs> uh, the brothel. There are a lot of the environments where... You can curse like this all day long, and people do. I got it. I've worked in some of those environments. Even a cab driver, that type of thing. Truck driver. The courthouse? I thought I just said they bring children in, right? He's told us that a bunch. Employees sometimes bring their children. Children come in to get their passport photos and all that good stuff. I thought this was supposed to be a professional work environment. Why are we sitting around here talking like that, period, much less sitting and talking about cohort. In my view, that is also a red flag. Like, wow, this is a super unprofessional environment. There is no way in the world we should be sitting around. Anybody, customer, anybody 
we're sitting here and using that sort of language Jesus if this is the man when you are not present imagine how they sound then they didn't try to oh 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 we got Kung present Kung 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 alert nope 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 he is an effing retard yep that's what I said that's what I said and look here Kung this is what you're going to have to hear you were, she, now he said with a bunch of women eh, 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 eh. <laughs> when you work with a bunch of racist white women yes that's what you're going to have to hear that sort and I mean but I mean dang that's so unpredictable they could have just said oh he's an idiot he's a prick I can't believe it he's so incompetent they could have did all of which in my view that's still unprofessional and all the rest but wow that sort of profane language on top it's wow <laughs> What? Contrast that. Now she says it's mandatory. We got to do this. You you know, you just got to put up with it. Sorry. You got to listen to this. Neely Fuller Jr. put no gossiping in the 10 stops. That's another one where I'd say, like, dang, that's not. We got Klana similar. And they, nope, we are way far apart in our worldview and what we think should be happening here. One, this is indispensable. We got to gossip. Talk nasty about it. We got to do this. No gossiping. Let's see. They could be gossiping about the, the socket, right? They weren't even talking about it. Like, oh, my God, did you see the sparks are flying out? And I thought her wig was going to catch up. Like, Lord Jesus, I might have to take a Nope, nope, nope. Nope. Uh, let's see. We got the another incompetent white man. That was the crux of the program we just heard three times. Dr. Jennifer L. Pierce. Now, I did say that book does have a lot of constructive info. The racism is there, too, but I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's really one of the main points of her book. Incompetent, unqualified white men. And that's the point that we've talked about before, specifically incompetent white people who are too proud, too racist. I'm not going to come ask a coon how to do this. He said he had the audacity, much less I'm an incompetent white man. I'm going to stick my chest out. Walk around here like I own the courthouse. I'm the king. Do what? You can't even spell courthouse. Do How did you even get this job? Oh, yes system of white supremacy we talked about that on Wednesday that cronyism that nepotism how did you even get this job how did you even get this job to walk around see and then he said see they do that I can't do this I'm going to see if I can pawn this off onto some niggers find some niggers yes, we got this old nigger woman see if I can put this off Bra- that's a pause for her too bravo like no way buddy no way buddy you make all the money. That's you. That's you. That's you. Stand by your work. Stand by your work, buddy. And then see the expense. Now see how long does he get to keep this job being incompetent? Where and that's another one. Do the white people grouse and gossip about him in front of you when his incompetence starts to disrupt their efficiency in the workplace? Do they come to the segregated area? Oh my God, that Paul! I can't believe it. Jesus, how did he get this job? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, and then contrast that 
the case that he's talking about now, I got this for tomorrow because that's not workplace racism, but the case that he's talking about in Florida with this shooting, the white offender, Susan Louise Lorsens, white woman who uh, shoots a 35-year-old mother in front of her children, a G.K. Owens, black female. This case that they're talking about, that's one I wouldn't have a word. That's another. Now, that's in Florida that uh, this case happened in Florida, so I'm not surprised that they're talking about this down there, but that's any time. Cases like that, I never have anything to say about it. I don't care if they come and ask, oh, oh what are you, what are you, isn't it crazy? And, oh, she shot her through the door, and, oh, my, look. Hmm. I haven't I haven't really been keeping up with it. It's terrible. What a tragedy. I haven't really followed it too well. Or you hey, I don't discuss politics in the workplace. You have a lot of them, but I don't have a word to say about it. You just let them gossip and he, they just let it roll. Oh man, and even there. Now, are they upset with a white woman to shoot? A mother in front of her children through a closed door? Nope. Who are they upset about? Benjamin Crump. Now that's even when I have to put an asterisk down because I have asked. You all have heard me. It's in the archives. Damn, are we supposed to hate Benjamin Crump? Because I feel like we're supposed to call him a coon or something. Like I don't, I don't know why we should dislike him, but it feels like I just always hear something bad said about Benjamin Crump. And I asked people that I said, why? What? what 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 is he didn't shoot this woman why is i mean you got to have an attorney right even if he lost every case it's not his fault he's responding to racism right so why be, be oh now if we got a whole lot of white people this is what they do they sit around and this is the same g word gossip they sit around and all day that oh that coon been cry hate that been what do you say Ambulance chase that's all he is. Oh, ambulance chasing coon and that's name calling too. Ambulance chaser. I have never heard Ben Crump say, I'm an ambulance chaser. That's what I do. Here's my card. Ambulance chaser at law. I've never heard that. The queens of name calling undisputed. I bet you if you got a whole lot of white people sitting around doing that, and you got non white people hearing that. We tend to do what white people do. They're in charge. So if you got a whole lot of white people saying, oh, my God, that Ben Crump is the worst. I hate his guts. And, oh, I hope he dies. He's an ambulance. You end up with a whole lot of non-white people. I hate Ben Crump. Oh, I hate that Ben. Oh, he is the one. How did he get involved in this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the white woman's name who shot and killed a black mother who is the whole reason why Ben Crump is in this case? Uh, uh, I don't know, but that Ben Crump. I know his name, and that's a coon right there. Hmm. <laughs> right, right. Much about it. to be accurate, I say strive for accurate. Ben Hurst, uh, Ben Crump. It seems like a lot of the cases that he gets, the people have died, so he would be a hearse chaser, right? We're gonna be accurate. You can't really do much for ambulance once the person is gone, so he'd be a hearse chaser. Yes. That didn't have quite the same ring to it, I guess, in the workplace. Much obliged caller in Florida. The woman's name again, suspected killer, Susan Louise Lorenz, L-O-R-I-N-C-Z, white woman in her 50s, 
and she had a reputation for harassing children. I didn't hear the folks at the courthouse talking about that either. Like I even said that like, dang, how do you have a reputation for harassing children on top of shooting a mother in front of her child? Like, dang, that's your resume? White people don't oh yeah, 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 yeah. Don't care about children. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Uh, person victim in New Jersey, if you have commentary, should be with us as well. Look out for other hands, star six one. Hey, hey, Gus. Um, I just have one. Um, it's really um, a question um, or advice. So, um, cousin of mine's work with me. He, uh, so I want to know what should be the code for this. Uh, the company, the company gives loans. So he took a loan for, you know, I, I, I'm not sure anywhere between three to four thousand um, dollars. So they don't they don't give you direct deposit or I'm not sure if he has direct deposit, but he has to go into their bank to cash it, cash the check. So he went into their bank, uh, TD bank to be exact. And, um, cashier, not sure if she's uh white or black. I'm assuming she was a white woman. So as he's cashing a check, he noticed, you know, he's just getting, you know, just asked numbers of questions. You know, why is the check amount so much? You know, why did this company write the check? Um, um, you know, just just kept asking them just just question after question, and he got irritated, and he told me that the uh, the teller, the bank teller, noticed his irritation, and she began to, you know, apologize. And, um, you know, so they looked into the computer. Um, he took a loan out with this com- with the, our company before. So he's on record as, you know, at least coming to this particular branch or bank to cash the check. And it's not unusual to have, a, you know, a $3,000 check, you know, from this company. There are... You know, there are people who are, who are employed at this company that, you know, you know, they, they can they can net, you know, twenty five to three thousand um, dollars just with their employment, you know, with their um, their weekly wage. So her asking why is the check amount this much, you know, it just. You know, it just really irritated him, and um, so I asked him. I say, you know, what do you, you know, what do you think it is? You know, I don't, I don't, you know, because I really don't talk about racism unless somebody else talks to me um, about it. So he acknowledged the uh, racial component in this, and um, this has also happened to me before, not at this particular company, but at a bank where the bank. Uh, employee was you know very rude um wouldn't cash a check for me and there were also other black males in the bank and from afar i observed her you know just kind of um just just surveilling them just 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 constantly you know just watching them just you know so i've i'm familiar with the mistreatment in banks so what will be the codified response if you are in that situation, I suggested, you know, next time something like that happens, um, you know, actually talk to a supervisor 
I would say that that'll be, you know, the first step. I'm not sure if um, pulling out your phone and recording um, the the um, the interaction with the uh, bank teller. I don't I don't know if that's legal, but that could also be a suggestion. And also because um, the company also told him if he has any problems to call uh, the company. You know, if he has a problem, uh, cash in the check. But I thought the bank teller was, you know, just real tacky. And I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure if it was a white older man, like or woman, they wouldn't have um, gave, you know, questioned him, you know, to cash this check. So I just wanted to get any uh, codified responses if you're, if anybody's ever in that situation. And they did end up cashing the check. Oh, well, that's good. I'm glad we at least, I can't say a happy ending to the story, but I'm at least thankful that uh, he was able to get access to his funds eventually. Now, on the one hand, metaphor, oh, I have experienced this before. I'm very familiar with this. In fact, I'm darn near the king of going to the bank. And will you get the funds? Won't you get the funds? Who knows? Oh, I am the king of that game. But that's another one where I said exactly what I said at the beginning. You talk about upset. You said he was getting a little frustrated. (laughs) Tell me about it. You go to the bank, got your hard earned funds. You didn't knock an old woman over the head and steal her purse. You worked your job 40, 50 hours or whatever you had to endure. He gets his loan from his job where he worked and he's going to cash. And hmm. 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 You got a blood sample, Leroy? Urine sample? Fingerprints? You been to jail? How many people you raped? And on. And on. And on. That's another one that can totally deflate. I don't want to do nothing. I'm going to go smoke crack for the rest of my life. Oh, yeah. It can definitely lead you there. But beginning of the year, whole book, white woman wrote Emily Flitter, the white wall. She was a guest on the cows January of this year. She has a whole chapter in the book about that right there. And that's one she didn't say black indigenous POCs. She didn't say POCs. She didn't even say black people. You black boys and girls have a tough time cashing checks. Nope. Just privileged black males. And I mean, she got racks and racks of them. In fact, when you were asking about what should be done, I chuckled because I really have no idea what to tell the person other than your composure. But Dion Rabuin. That's what came to mind because it was about the same time that Emily Flitter was a guest on our program. Dion Rabuin, he is a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Not a drug smuggler. He's not a rapist, to my knowledge. Reporter for the flipping Wall Street Journal. This is in CNN Business. Handcuffed by police while standing outside a Chase Bank. 
the Wall Street Journal is demanding answers from Phoenix Police Department after an officer detained and handcuffed one of its reporters outside of Chase Bank, an incident that press freedom advocates say raises First Amendment concerns and mirrors a larger growing hostility from local law enforcement towards journalists across the country. The incident between the journal reporter Dion Rabuin and the Phoenix officer occurred in late November, but just became public this week after ABC affiliate KNXV reported on the matter. In a statement, the journal said that it was deeply concerned with how its reporter was treated and has asked the Phoenix Police Department to conduct an investigation. Now, he was standing outside Mr. Rabuin uh, interviewing people, customers, presumably at the bank voluntarily. If they didn't want to talk, beat it, Negra. Keep moving. Someone got a suspicious negro and they she has a rat this isn't even in her book this just happened at the same time that emily footer was a guest on our program to talk about this he's just a reporter and he got handcuffed she had racks of them where they go to the bank and if you get upset like he did oh oh see 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 you gotta write, write it down write it down she said they would unjust networking they would write notes and exchange with other bank tellers in the area you got a black male six foot one Name is Leroy, wearing Adidas, uh, baggy pants, facial hair, maybe a rapist, brought in a check. It was over $50. Do not cash. In fact, she in the book sometimes, all it would say was black male, suspicious. You'd be waiting like, did he do something? Did he? Did he threaten you? Did he shake his zipper at you? Did he ask where the restroom is? Like, what What was it? I just told you. Blackmail. Michael P. Jordan has a lot more money than I think all of us. He went to the bank. They thought he was a robber. Happened in Georgia. He had on a hoodie, so that's strike one. He had on a mask for the Rona. I don't know what to say about that because it's still during the Rona. He had the money. He just gave the teller a note, asked them to be discreet about it because he didn't want to cause a lot of attention. I'm Michael P. Jordan. They didn't look at him and think, oh, you're a star. You just want to be discreet. Get your funds and abscond. They thought, oh, my God, it's a raping Negro. Call the police. So I say all that to say I don't really know what to say other than. Maybe try to go to a bank that you use on a regular basis. See if you can develop a rapport with uh, one of the tellers or at least someone who works at the bank, if possible. Uh, Take all of the identification that you can. Uh, Keep your composure. Uh, If they get an attitude or what have you, I would not be afraid to leave. And I have done that before where I was in the exact same situation that you were in with the person. And they started asking a lot of just bizarre questions and it's going into a lot of odd directions like, you know what? Never mind. And just walked away and went, came back a different time, got a cash, went to a different branch, whatever. But I have done that before. Now, I mean, hey, and we talked about this with Emily Flitter now. So can you do that on a day if you were going to get that check cashed and my rent is due? Or I was going to get groceries got to take my child to the orthodontist so same thing i said at the beginning i don't really have an easy suggestion on that one uh if we have other folks uh if you do 
have a suggestion for going to the bank uh, when they get rowdy are not going to cash your check giving you a lot of lip about it what do you do if you have a, a suggestion let us know we've heard this from so many folks non-clemson well, i was going to say non-clemson grad non-clemson dad but it was actually mommy c she said they do the dance business together right power couple and they had a black vendor they were going to pay him and it was the same thing difficulty at the bank she had to get up she's pregnant and mommy and everything she had to get up and go to the bank herself she get the money like that sort of thing is so common so widespread um <sighs> i'm still learning i have not picked up anything that did uh, composure document try to go to the same branch see if you can develop a rapport with a particular teller but beyond that this is a massive problem for black males in particular uh and i have not really heard from or talked to anybody who has developed anything that works well um Avoid going to the teller as much as you can. I know when the, the figures for the check, when they start to get to a certain amount, uh, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult. But I try to do that as much as I can. Deposit checks and things uh, using your phone or do it online and that sort of thing so that you have to be bothered with them directly. Um, but, yeah, it can be whew, riddled with racism, uh, even arrests frequently because she i think had some of those in the book as well where the police got called a few times and then the wall street uh, journal reporter as well so i'm very sorry for i think you said this was a family member not just a random victim so i'm very sorry they had to experience all that i'm glad they were able to get the funds but this is a super common way that racism white supremacy is practiced and sometimes the tellers are non-white i think the the incident with Michael B. Jordan, I think the teller was a non-white person, actually a non-white person who's classified as black when the police got called on him. So it doesn't really matter, white, non-white person working at the bank. I've been in this situation where I had a non-white person who was the teller, and it was the same thing. Lots of rigmarole and drama and all the rest of it. So, yeah, that's, yeah. You just have to kind of talk about that, too, is how the system works and be prepared for that. They do all that talk about the talk in terms of the police. I don't ever hear them with the talk about how to successfully and efficiently survive going to the bank, getting your funds, and not being shot or tasered. Anywho, much obliged uh, victim in New Jersey. Uh, other folks, if you have commentary to share, number 605 313-5164 the code 564-943 pound press star 61 if you would like to participate saw non-Clemson dad and or mommy C uh, were there I don't know if they uh, parenting that is you know a lot of hard work is what the hardest job unequivocally and no contest so might be doing the parenting thing get a hand of it if they have comments and or other folks if you have thoughts observations to share certainly if we have any folks who have any tips for the banking let us know that as well let's see give folks second see if they have their thoughts or other folks have anything that they want to add we should be here saturday 
compensatory call that we will discuss said shooting in Florida uh, where the white woman uh, shot a 35-year-old black mother with her children present, shot her through the window after she had harassed uh, this black mother's uh, children, young children who were outside uh, playing. We'll discuss that case, and I think Ralph Yarl's family was out speaking as well. That's a young black teen uh, who was shot. Thankfully, he did not die, uh, but he was shot recently by a white older male. I think that case is in uh, Kansas, right on the border, Kansas, Missouri. Uh, but Ralph Yarl survived. Uh, he and his family were talking about that incident and the danger of what is that? Make my day. We're not just talking about that. Not just saying, neither one of these cases are in Colorado, but I mean, that's white culture. Make my day. Blow somebody's brains out. Blow a black person's brains out. Ah, make my day. Let's see. Non Clemson, dead. Mommy C, maybe woke baby. Uh, any thoughts they would like to share? They can make sure that I'm not uh, lying too, because I said that happened to Mommy C too, where they had a vendor. They went to go, or he went to go cash his check, and they did the same thing. Ah, get out of here, nigga. You stole it. You stole it. Get out of here. We're not cashing. Mommy, see, I think she was still pregnant. Woke baby wasn't even here with us yet. She had to get up out of bed, go to the bank and everything to make sure this black male got his money. I think she told us about that not too long ago. Nun, Clemson, dad, mommy, see, should be with us as well. Uh, yes, that did happen. I think that was back in, um, I think, December, Jan- uh, December January. Um, yeah, we wrote a check to the person we hired to do a renovation on our bathroom. And um, when he went to go uh, get it cashed, um, they called my wife. She said, yes, it's a um, legitimate check, and they still refused to cash it. Um, but also, I think the person, you, I think you kept saying um, Michael B. Jordan, who was at the bank that got arrested. I think that was the director, Ryan Cooper, who was arrested. Um, okay, so let's see. I have one story. Um, over the last two days, I was at a, um, a planning bike conference, and um, I was speaking to one of the uh, gentlemen there, a, a white male, and he was, you know, he started, he engaged me, started talking to me. You know, um, he asked me where I'm from. Now, usually, at least over the last couple of times, someone has asked me this question. I've usually um, responded, I'm from everywhere I've been and everywhere I have been, which I believe is in the code. But for this time, I decided to um, um, just answer the question directly. Um, and what the, eventually it, it ended up with a conversation about, you know, my name being um, Nigerian. Um, and then the white male went on to say that he had a cousin that used to go to Nigeria to educate Nigerian people on, um, on, on democracy. It was at that point I realized I had messed up. I shouldn't have engaged him directly because the final thought for that is like, what can Americans teach uh, black people about democracy? So that was very interesting. And with that, I'm gonna turn it over to my wife. Greetings, Cal's listeners. Uh, just wanted to report a couple things. So um, in addition to our business, I also do some contract work for a, a like doula business on the West Coast. And um, 
the the person who founded or co-founded this uh, doula circle, she also um, co-founded and launched a a doula collective of black non-white black um, doulas who serve um, black families, uh, perinatal and postpartum families, um, also on the West Coast. And it's and she's also been a part of um, public policy, like. Uh, speaking to state legislators in California um, about the doula benefit, ensuring that families who are are receiving Medicaid benefits um, have access to uh, uh, birth and postpartum doulas. And she co-founded this organization where um, she connects Black doulas with Black families, and it's at no cost to them. So it's a pretty revolutionary um, program, as well as um, she's done some pretty revolutionary things when it comes to um, advocacy, uh, public policy for non-white or, you know, BIPOC, people of color, Black people, all these confusing terms. Um, but anyways, so one of the one of the requirements that um, that I have is making phone calls. So um, the majority of people who contact this particular organization, so there's two, there's one that serves um, black families, but then there's another one who anybody, um, anybody in the California area, they can uh, inquire about postpartum doulas, birth doulas, blah, 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 and try to connect with them and see if they like them and book them. So one of the, requirements of my jobs is to make follow-up phone calls. So the families inquire, they leave all their information, I read through their submissions, and then I call them, try to engage them, um, answer any questions that they have, and then send them some more information. Well, one of the families that I called recently, um, you know, I was just talking to her, asking her why she thought she and her um, partner or husband wanted a postpartum doula and if they knew what that was. And her response was, well, I want to ensure that there isn't a murder-suicide um, at the house. And I was just taken aback. <laughs> I didn't even know what to say. Um, am I supposed to report this? Like, you know, this, this white woman, um, is already foreseen that there there could be or will be violence, um, you know, the mom killing the baby, infant side, or maybe she kills her partner, or, you know, maybe she kills the baby and the partner, or kills herself, or um, all of that. So I, I just thought that was very, very telling about, you know, white people, and maybe they really don't care about children. Um, and then lastly, I'll just end, I've been working here probably since August, and then I went on maternity leave, but I'm back. But one of the biggest thing that, things that I noticed is um, there's a lot of, lot of people who are really struggling with fertility, um, especially the majority of these inquiries are coming from white families um, with a lot of money. Um, but a lot of people are struggling with fertility, and so um, maybe they're they're having children at a later stage in life, um, and they're doing IVF or several cycles of IVF and trying 
Um, I have seen some non-white black families who have done the IVF too, or freezing their eggs um, to use at a later time. Uh, there was a there was a white man, and it was a very strange conversation over the phone with him. But he it sounded like he he had a woman that he would that's the only woman in the whole world that he would want to have babies with. He sounded like he was a, um, a gay man who, you know, found somebody to, you know, help him have a child. And so he would be raising this child, a boy by himself as a single father by choice. Um, and so he was inquiring about postpartum doula services. Um, and then lastly, one of the big things, the IVF, single parent. Um, yeah, just, just a lot of people who are, are trying to, you know, start, start their families, um, and are just, um, looking for support and help. Oh yeah. 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 What I've noticed is there's a lot of white, white people and some Asian who have access through their jobs to, uh, insurance that will pay for a number of services. Uh, for example, the IVF treatments tend to be like $20,000, if not more, per cycle, um, and their insurance will pay for at least one cycle, if not more. And I recently came across a family um, who had access to $30,000 worth of um, support from their employer, and that could be for childbirth preparation courses, newborn care courses, a birth doula, postpartum doula, lactation support, um, and a number of other services that, you know, the typical non-white family does not have access to. And with that, I will end the call. We can't even get uh, Similac and Formula. <laughs> what are you talking about? in vitro fertile get out of here man what do you <sighs> mommy see non clemson dad in fact the most important thing mommy C said she's back at work that is a disgrace really for both of them if we were in sweden norway Finland, she would be chilling still. She'd have a whole year, unless my memory is bad. I think they have a whole year of maternity leave. A year. And it should be like, that's like the most important state, especially if you're doing it correctly and you do the breastfeeding. Man. That right there. <laughs> White people don't care about children. And there is even research. <clears throat> The reason that it's like that is because the areas that I named where she would have a year, they have a lower population of dark people, places with a higher population of dark people. Will the white sacrifice? If that means we have more white people, white women die in pregnancy and they don't get long maternity leave either. Oh, well, now they also different positions. So, you know, but oh, well, white sacrifice, white people do not care about children but i mean that is ridiculous that's the sort of thing we'll look back on once we have a system of justice like are you serious who was supposed to be rushing back like you just 
stay and chill, breastfeed, hang out, get to know, you know. Yeah. Ridiculous through and through. Um, speaking of not caring about children, man, I didn't even know what to say. Like, that's one of those, like, wow. Uh, gotta have a doula because we gotta prevent the murders. Like, what? What? <laughs> what? What? You gonna like she was saying? Does that mean you gonna kill your husband? Are you gonna kill? You gonna kill the baby or what? What? Why are you? What? <laughs> like what, dude? <laughs> I don't even know where to pick up. Like, why is your thinking even here? What can't they do have a term for that? She said infant. They have all kinds of terms for that. I was because she said murder suicide family annihilator. I keep talking about that. They have whole books dissertations alex murdoch their neighbor family annihilator white culture and then make up terms for that why would you even have a term infanticide family and not why is that even a term oh mm. uh let's see we talked about that too actually i forgot the maternity leave we talked that's in uh the affirmative action book where they would grouse like, oh, man, I hate all this. We got all this family medical leave act and maternity leave. And they got to have a lactation room like, ah, I hate this. Worst thing ever. Uh, let's see. The non Clemson dad one. Thank you for the uh, correction. I mixed up my negros. So embarrassing. Michael B. Jordan is not Ryan Coogler. Then he did confirm that the incident did happen. The Negro couldn't get his check cashed, black male privilege, and he shared his own workplace situation where they do the name thing. Uh, Leroy, where, 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 where are you from? He says he normally gives them the fuller, but this time he leaned into it and bang. So many folks, uh, victims that I've talked to, they have whatever their code is about things. So they'll say one time, you know, they don't do it. And, when I say in the workplace, like all of those, like there's always going to be something trashy lingering. Like even if they wait a while, they might wait a week or two weeks or whatever. But there's always something tacky just awaiting. Like you go and do what to teach them about what? <sighs> yeah, yeah, I should have, should have not even. Should have not brought it up. Should have not brought it up. Next time, everybody will get the same thing. Where are you from? I'm from everywhere I've never been. <laughs> like, what? What did that mean? I will never talk to that nigger again, which is fine, too. Stay business focused and avoid all the random, you know, racist conversation. How do we get from that to, oh, yes, I've got to tell you about my journeys out to help you colored people. You're so ignorant and backward. Yes. Yes. Anywho, uh, other folks much obliged, non Clemson dad, mommy C. Other folks, come. we didn't hear anybody with any tips, right, on what to do, have a safer experience at the bank. Nobody has any suggest. I wouldn't know what to say either because I've seen uh, the Wall Street Journal report- reporter, uh, Mr. Budin. Uh, Boudin mispronounced my apologies uh, he 
didn't look like he was dressed in like athletic gear or he didn't look like he had 50 tattoos and his pants hanging off his behind. I said, uh, not Michael B. Jordan, but Ryan Coogler. Uh, he had on a sweatshirt. He had a mask on, but I mean, it was COVID. Um, I mean, it's, it's happened to so many, but I don't really know what to say. Like in terms of dress, like, I don't know. I guess you can wear a suit. Doesn't seem like that helps too much, but if it'll, you know, whatever. Um, just have your documentation stay calm if it helps to know that this is very widespread particularly it seems targeting black males but it's very widespread so don't take it personal um and and don't be afraid to terminate the transaction if they are stonewalling you being obstinate being discourteous right do not be afraid to stop. And like I said, I'm a big advocate as much as you can. It's not always possible, but as much as you can to try to do things virtually, uh, even if it takes more time. Sometimes you still even can deposit, uh, like if it's a big, you know, check thousands of dollars or what have you. You can deposit it and it might not be available. Sometimes it might not. If it's big enough, it might be 48 hours before you have access to the funds. If that's something, if you can think in advance, do it online use your phone whatever bang and then wait hope that way you can cut out having to do all that chatting with people and such as much as you can i'm a big uh, advocate of that just trying to avoid them uh completely to to minimize all of that but yeah that is i, I guess unless you get or until you get to the point where you are uh like charles barkley or someone president obama you're on television Benjamin Crump where you're on television all the time so everyone knows and recognizes you immediately so you walk in the bank up oh, there's that no count ambulance chasing Ben Crump well I guess he does have a check yes indeed how's it doing Mr. Crump you've been doing a good job they've been killing lots of black folks so I know business is good come on in unless you get to that level then yes be prepared it might even I thought hey Ryan now I did mix up the name so maybe he's not popular enough but I thought Ryan Coogler was pretty popular right he's on TV and all the (sighs) replace white supremacy with justice that's all I can say that's apparently that's going to be a problem for a while until we have made some huge strides in solving this problem anything else folks need to share suggestions uh, comments Have you heard? Our caller in Florida? Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. I just wanted to, to share um, one last uh, report. Um, there was a, a black mother that came in to, um, to, to file an injunction on, I don't know if it was a, a I think it was a white person. Uh, but she, you know, she got emotional. She was crying. And I just wanted to just report it from like a customer service, uh, um, standpoint, you know, another black person just trying to, uh, be empathetic, I guess. And how so many different people from the public come in with these kind of situations. And apparently her son was trying to protect her and got in a scuffle, uh, with this other person, this other guy. Um, 
she backed it was just it wasn't even really a fender bender or whatever you may call it. She backed into someone's vehicle. It was just it was just a not even really a bad scrape or anything. So she got out of the vehicle, went to the person's front door from what she was telling me, and the person got angry with her um, and started calling her names, and she, uh, you know, tried to stay as calm as she could, and she called her son, uh, and then it got into a situation where her son and the guy got into a scuffle and a fight, and he, I guess the term got the best of the guy, and the police were called, and the son was apprehended, uh, and the guy, nothing was done to him, but she did say two other white women came on the scene and was calling her name, so it got into like a hectic situation, so she was in the courthouse the other day filing paperwork um, to file an injunction on these three different people. And apparently the black male is a minor, so he ended up getting a juvenile case. So it's just it's just amazing like how these different situations can occur. Uh, but you know, he the the young black males is trying to protect his mother. And uh she was she was just sharing with me how the officer was on pretty much her son. Like he was the only issue or whatever. Yeah, he was he uh punched the other guy from that guy putting his hands on his mother. So that's how this situation started. And um, I don't really know what the update is on that uh, occurrence, but I wanted to share that. And the lady, the black female, she was in the start. So uh, just another situation from the the customers that come into the courthouse. Uh, and that's all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Much obliged, sir. Uh, I just, man, I always remember uh, Dr. Kamau uh, Kambon, where he talks about being grateful when he goes to any place, really, post office or grocery store, anywhere. And it's a black person working, and they're courteous, professional. They don't have to do the whole, you know, my black brother, we get black liberation. They don't have to do all that, just professional, courteous, help you, whatever you're trying to, you know, get my stamps and my priority mail sent on its way uh, from the post office, just courteous, professional, say hi, they remember you, that sort of thing, where he's just so grateful for that because that's, you know, not what we get so frequently uh, where race soldiers are nasty and rude, hit the panic button uh, when you come into the facility type of a thing, just to have that sort of situation. I think he even said before where it was a black male where he was upset uh, about you know, coming in, he was trying to get information and you were just able to talk to him to get him to be calm. And he came back and thanked you for being helpful. Like just being, being in a position, the exact word that he used to be empathetic with another black person, because that is just not what we get. 
You know, it's every time uh, criminal, miscreant, what are you even doing in here? You know, and that's talking about you. <laughs> that's not even the customer that I'm ready to shank you and you work here for 12 years, <laughs> much less, you know, somebody who's coming in here and is upset or uh, anything, any of that emotional about whatever. I don't care how you ended up here, who you ran over, who you shun, son shot. I don't care. Hurry up and get out of here before I hit the panic button. Like to just have some, oh, you do see me as a human being. And, oh, okay, you can, you know, even if you don't come out and hop over the desk and give me a hug just to, to be understanding, help me get what I need, be a little patient with me. Like, man, that is so many black people. That is way far from what we get. We don't even get anything close to that. Not Can I get a Kleenex to, to dry my eye? No, hurry up, get out of here. Coming in. That's what I say about these niggers coming here and they steal you, get a tissue, and they want to take over everything. See? So I said, just man, that is bravo. Uh, black Dr. Welsing, black self respect. That right there, really, I'm so serious that that is working against racism right there because that's exact. We have been trained to do the exact opposite, to see them the exact way racists see us. You, we have been trained. She comes in. Oh man, I'm gonna press the panic button too. Get on, hurry up now. Get along, All that noise. Yeah, yeah. Should be, you know, should have trained your son belly. He wouldn't be a little hooligan out punching people. That's the way we've been trained to see ourselves. See each. That's why you hear that in the courthouse. He was like, Oh my God, I wish my child's father died. Oof. Ain't no empathy there at all. All that said, like, man, I was thinking, like, Jesus Christ, she could have died. Like, we just thought, didn't we just say that? Ralph Yarl and the young lady in uh, Florida. I just want to make sure I get her name out after I hear it two or three more times. I got it in the description, and I can't even say it right. I think it's a key, uh, a GK. That's it. A-J-I-K-E. I think it's a GK. I think that's how you say it. A GK Owens. A GK Owens. I think that's how you say it. Uh, but I was thinking, man. This could have been another one. She could have died. That's what I was thinking. And I mean, it sounded like, yep, that make my day. She, he didn't say that she totaled the vehicle and it's going to be thousands of dollars, you know, in damage. Now, I mean, she could have lied, but eh. she said it was just something minor. And he went, what? I'll kill you. She could have died. Her son comes to protect. That's one. That's another one that I point out all the time because I hear this where people say, "I want that strong black man come out and protect us, protect the black family, protect his black." Didn't you just hear Ralph Yarl? I think I said that. I think, in fact, I said they shot a G.K. Owens. They shot her in front of her sons, or they white woman shot her in front of her sons. That right there in the system of white supremacy, racism, non-white people, we cannot protect ourselves, anybody. If we could, we wouldn't have a system of racism. I'm not criticizing what he did, but I mean, that is the system of white supremacy. We say that all the time. You always can engage in counterviolence and to defend your mother. Hey, that it would be a time to do so, right? He could have killed her. The mom I'm talking about, he could have killed her. That said, hey, regardless of what you do, how justified it is, system of white supremacy, we 
have to answer to the man and the woman. So, that's one of those everybody has to have that understanding in advance because that happens frequently. An altercation breaks out, officers come, even if he didn't get the best of it, the black person gets charged, nobody else. I think that happened even to Allen Iverson. We almost would have never known his name. Fight breaks out at the bowling alley. I think it was only the black people got charged. I have to go back to double check, make sure it's striver accuracy, make sure I'm accurate on that. But that happens often. We had a Cows listener who talked about the same thing. At a bar, at a restaurant, alcohol served, fisticuffs break out. Only the black person gets charged. Very common. Something to think about and talk about. And that's why it's, I'm such a big advocate of avoiding, you know, being out in public. Now, this, you know, is such a one of those things. And in, in five seconds, things can escalate so fast where and I'm and that sort of situation. That's like the worst because he's at his residence. I've said that repeatedly for years now. Like, oh, my God, like he firearms saw machete who knows brass knuckles he's right there like he can come out and and it's been so many of those situations where a white person has been at home they do have easy access to every weapon in the world and they come out and make my day i've been looking to shoot one of y'all i've been looking to try my bow and arrow and it really seems like it's been more of these so geez i'm i'm thankful she survived that's horrible for her child to have to go through all of that and and have some sort of assault charge or whatever and she's got to go through all this in the courts and man um to be expected that's i mean only way i can state it mr fuller has talked about that he's talked about it on this program and many others in detail uh that's why it's so important to just try to be as cautious as we can in going out because these type of incidents happen all the time and frequently it's not just fisticuffs it's not ooh I got my lick in and boom 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 it's whoa assault rifle pipe bombs brass knuckles whoa that's the way that we have to really be processing this and then too you got so many people that are under the influence too that that I, I'm not a doctor I'm not a a narcotics expert, but they've had so many reports about all the drugs and even increase in alcohol consumption over the COVID years, all the stress that people have been under and inflation and job shortages, teacher shortages and all the rest of it. It would not surprise me at all if all that stress and then the, the narcotics that people are on and everything, if that's contributing to why people are flipping out a little easier and somebody just knocks on the door, they even shot some white children wrong driveway getting the wrong car pow like whoa whoa what is system of white supremacy racism and even add to that what mama c said all of the folks struggling with fertility sounds like somebody's theory white genetic annihilation we talked about that Shana swan's book in vitro fertilization who is going to need that? Who even has access to the treatment as Mama C was telling us about? That also might be contributing to anxiety, strain, causing folks to be out shooting, gunning folks down, ready to kill you for any little reason, thinking that my existence is in peril. 
Could be. Somebody did have a whole theory about that, I thought. White genetic annihilation. Any hoodles. Uh, manana compensatory call in 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. We'll catch up on the last seven days. Uh, we'll talk about that Florida shooting specifically. What went down, why it took so long for the arrest, the nature of the charges. That's an important one as well. Pattern. Anywho, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy racism. Take that the vignette tragedy, really, uh, that Colin Florida just shared with us. The mother uh, confrontation and all that. Imagine how much worse that could have been if she under the influence maybe even at offspring as well under the influence can't quite make the best to say oh and then we can add that in with the charges oh yeah it was a fender bender yeah mm, put some more charges on you I say that all the time as a part of why we want to be sober because we really want to be able to make the best possible decision you have no idea in this system you really may have a life threatening situation presented to you in the next 30 seconds because of this system it is so critically important I got to be able to make good decisions keep myself safe many they got we work with people you got explosions in the workplace and they don't even tell you send you a telegram and hope it gets here in time sobriety would be best creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. No name calling. No gossiping. No throwaway offspring, particularly since there are so many individuals who are struggling to produce children, period. No throwaway offspring. Invest if you think the cows is constructive. Racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com. PayPal button top right corner. You'll see the links cash app Venmo PayPal. Much obliged to all of our investors. Cows signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's your brother. Problem? You're a victim. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.